Yeah, I'm ready to. Everybody, welcome to the Tuesday show. My name is James, and I am joined here once again by Mr. Ultra David in the flesh. How you doing, David? I'm doing fantastic. You know, it didn't take me very long to get here today. I think we set up everything on time. Yeah. There wasn't any traffic today, which is very lucky. Yeah, usually doesn't happen recently in any case, but today, you know, it's been really good. So there you go. Perfect. Today I just got lucky. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I came by myself. Ajax might make an appearance later. You know, it just depends on whether he wants to drive here as well on his own. I right. guess we'll see what he does. We're going to have a nice Tuesday show today. We have several topics for you. Of course, you can see some of them on the top here. We're going to be talking about this fighting game roundtable thing that's going to be coming up. We'll yeah. talk about a couple of tournaments that happened and the results. We got some fun stuff in 5-5 matchup this week where we'll talk about some interesting discussion points. Okay, okay, sounds good, and sounds good. there's actually some other game and community news to talk about. So, all right, let's go FGC, making a little bit of a, I don't know, comeback. Maybe, <laughs> stuff, happening stuff, stuff happening, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, by the way, you can see this cat foot. I mean, you look look right down at the center of the table, David. I mean, yeah, no, I, here, I, I see. You can see Nathan here being cuddle cat here. Just, oh, I can geez. definitely see that. Yeah, he's trying to knock everything over here. Oh, I oh. know, I know. He's about to walk through me. That's okay, though. That's okay. So let's begin by talking about this fighting game publisher's roundtable situation. Yeah. It was announced uh, some days ago. This is going to be a stream that will have Capcom, Bandai Namco, Arc System Works, SNK, Arika, Koei Tecmo, and they're all going to be streaming on their like respective channels, you know, YouTube and whatever mm -hmm. from each of them. So this is going to be something you'll be able to watch on whichever one you care about, I guess. And what they're exactly going to be talking about is to some degree unknown. We know that they're going to be doing at least something. So there's going to be a new Guilty Gear Strive character that will be shown. There's going to be definitely some news about Tekken and Soul Calibur. Those are the things that we've heard from the Guilty Gear Twitter. And then on, the, on, on Bandai's site, they just put up a brief blurb that's like, hey, we're having a roundtable. You know, this is what it's going to be. We're going to have... Uh, um, uh, Harada and Okubo both on there. They'll be talking about new information and announcements to share regarding both of those titles. So there's a little bit of info at least. Right. I mean, it's, well, like not a ton actually. But it's just surprising. Like this really kind of came out of nowhere. And it's kind of unprecedented, right? They've never done anything yeah. like this before, which is really interesting. I mean, there's a lot of things kind of to to say about this. First of all, I mean, they're all streaming it, but it's the same roundtable, right? And they're just all streaming the same yeah. video feed, basically? As, as far as I know. As far as I know, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, by the way, thanks to King Bazuki for the sub. Yeah, yeah, it's... It is definitely the first time they've done something like this. What I think is that they were going to do this stuff at Evo. Yes. Right? That, that, I think that, everybody kind of agrees with okay, that one, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, this was all... Evo was, 
it was canceled, obviously, but it was supposed to have been going on each weekend at this time that we're currently in, mm -hmm. and it would have ended up this coming weekend when they're going to be doing the stream. Right. So it, it seems like that's probably not a coincidence. It right. must have been that they had planned to have reveals or whatever uh, during that time, and since that's not happening, they decided to put this together instead. Right, but you know what the coolest thing to me is that, you know, one of the things that a lot of people kind of get this idea from a lot of times is that, you know, these Japanese companies in here, like fighting games that are being created are all kind of competing with each other. But, you know, it, I don't know where that comes from because when you look at the fighting game scene as a whole, from the developer standpoint, it's always seemed like they're all pretty dang friendly with each other. Especially loaning characters to each other for, you know, guest characters showing up on games and everything like that. And the fact that they're all willing to just kind of have this sit down and, and, and kind of powwow to just talk about the fighting game community, like their current state of their games and everything like that is really cool. And if some of the rumors are true that they're going to sit down and even have a, a portion where they talk about netcode, like right. that would be sick, right? <laughs> But I should say as well that Capcom is going to be having its own separate thing that will be on... So, I haven't said this. This roundtable stream will be taking place July 31st, 5 p.m. Pacific time, a.k.a. August 1st, 9 a.m. Japan time. Right. And then on August 5th, 10 a.m. Pacific time, which I guess would be... Uh, I don't know, whatever. Something in Japan. Time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever. Capcom is going to be doing its own stream for character reveals, esports news, and more. That's what they said on right. Twitter, on the Street Fighter Twitter. So it may be that they will have some stuff to say at this roundtable, but it seems like they're going to be doing at least some reveals and stuff on their own as well. Yeah. I mean, I I'll tell you one thing, man. It sometimes to me, it feels like. Yeah, I'm right. Everybody's, all the fighting game devs are all friends, except maybe Capcom. <laughs> Capcom's like, we're going to do our own thing. <laughs> you know? I don't know. By the way, that means uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time is 2 a.m. in Tokyo. What? Which I'm surprised about. But definitely their Twitter says August 5th, 2020 at 10 a.m. Pacific daylight time. So there you go. Uh, hmm, weird. I wonder if they're going to be running it from the U.S. offices. Like, what if, like, the 10-0 the is, like, helping produce it or something like that? Or, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I think that is definitely interesting. Yeah, I hadn't done that math earlier, but there it is. That would be a bummer if you're a fan of Capcom games in Japan, which, by the way, they're from. Yeah, but... So, I'm... we don't know exactly what's going to be happening here. But do you have any... Guesses. Do you have any predictions for what you think might be happening? Well, I mean, if they, they've already admitted that they're revealing a bunch of stuff, like new characters and everything. I hope for Guilty Gear, because last year at EVO, when they revealed Guilty Gear, uh, and then they showed a character who has never been mentioned ever again. Right? Yeah. You know, EVO was supposed to be the time that he was going to be revealed, so maybe he'll be revealed this time. I mean, mm -hmm. clearly, Samurai Showdown. I don't know if Tekken's going to show any new... Do they say new characters? Do they have any more slots for new characters for their season? Did they say new characters? Uh, let me get that here. I don't think so. What they said was... 
they will have new information and announcements to share regarding both titles. Okay. Because so, I know exactly. Soul Calibur, I think, still maybe has a couple of DLC slots left for their season. So I think that, you know, people are expecting new characters for Soul Calibur. But um, uh, just news for Guilty Gear would be really awesome. And, you know, I mean, what I'm kind of hoping for is obviously Evo is something like uh, an, an important place to have something like this. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't know if that will happen again because we don't know what's going to happen with Evo next year if all the devs are pulling out or whatever like that. I mean, if they choose to do something like this, wouldn't it be cool if they did a, a live roundtable like this at Evo or something? And even if it's not at Evo anymore, just have this every year, I think, would actually be really kind of cool. Just to have a room with all of the, all of the you know, producers and stuff in the same room just talking about things, you know, having Ishiwitari and Okubo and Harada and all those guys in the room. I, I just think this would be a neat precedent to, to kind of keep going with. And like I said... The fighting game community, someone said it in the chat, the fighting game community is pretty niche in and of itself that sure. I, I like the idea of them all kind of getting together and, you know, trying to help each other boost up each other's games. You know, I think that's really cool. I agree. It's something that I would love to see too. Separate maybe from just having reveals and stuff like that. If, whether it's EVO or whatever other tournament, once we can get back to in-person events... I would rather have reveals and stuff like that in those situations, just because that's really exciting. Just right. like a fun experience for everybody there. But I would also still really love to have this idea of a roundtable. I want to know what they think about stuff, right? I don't want to just know the reveals. I want to know what their general plans are. I want to know where they're headed. I want to know how they think mm -hmm. things are going. I want to know not just, again, the reveals, but like how have things been rolled out so far? What's what's down the pipeline not just in the sense of like interesting tidbits but like what what philosophies can we expect like that that sort of stuff what strategies can we expect mm -hmm. i would really like that sort of stuff and that's something that's only rarely glimpsed at in the fgc every now and then we'll have some report like from a capcom shareholders meeting right <laughs> <laughs> this is a little bit of news not too long ago where capcom shareholders meeting happened and they talked about their interest in esports, right? We just get tiny glimpses of this, right. and I would really like to have that sort of thing discussed more directly by people at these fighting game companies. I would love to know what each of these companies thinks about that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, what I was about to say, especially about the netcode, man, like. What an opportunity to have a discussion about that and hear them talk. Because different developers, I think, have had different levels of experience with it. I don't know if any of like the the melt the French bread guys are going to be there or anything like that, you know. Or but I mean, if the Guilty Gear guys are there and they're working on rollback netcode, they could be talking to about it. Like maybe they could even be like, "Yo, Harada, the rollback that you're talking about is not actually rollback," you know, <laughs> kind of situation. Right. You know, it'd be really well, okay, interesting. So Let's let's talk about what we what we do expect, what or what we do predict, maybe. Do you really think that they would talk about that stuff? I don't know. Netcode? They, I mean, that's kind of what it, I think it was High Fight who kind of uh, put a tweet out about saying that that might be something that they talk about, and then I, I saw some people saying, "Wait, what?" You know, kind of situation. So I'm not a hundred percent sure that that that's something they're going to be talking about. Yeah. But if it's not, I will be very sad. 
Let's just put it that way, you know. Because okay. I would okay. love to have a conversation with like Daisuke going like, "Look, we're trying to implement this in Strive. It's not easy, but from our tests right now, this is amazing. You know, you guys really should consider." And hey, well, now that we've ripped out old netcode and put new netcode, and we could help, you know, kind of things like that. I, I think mm-hmm. it'd be so cool. And 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 just like uh, Narima in the chat says, it's like this topic has been in such a forefront of conversation. The Fexel guys are trying to put it in there. The French bread guys have tested it. And, and, and they'll, they'll be there. Enrico will be there. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, and then you, is Ono supposed to be there or is not? Is he supposed to not be there? Ono himself? I don't know, but Capcom will be there. Okay. So if Capcom will be there, maybe they can all sit there and yell at Capcom and laugh at him about their poorly implemented rollback net code. Like, you guys didn't yeah. do this right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I, look, I'll be honest. I don't really expect them to talk about it like that. What I, here's, here's my expectation. Hey, what's going on with uh, Capcom and Street Fighter? Oh, well, you know, here, we're, so we're going to be showing you these announcements. Please roll the video. Okay, cool. And it's, I don't know, a new costume. <laughs> and then, uh, all right, hey, so Arc System Works, you got something to show, right? And then the representative is like, oh, yeah, you know, we've been working hard, and we hope you enjoy it. And they move over to the video, and it's like the new Guilty Gear character, right? The one that they showed last Evo. Right. Uh, and then SNK is like, hey guys, we're here, and let roll the video, and it's a little <laughs> bit about KOF 15, and then Arika's like, well, you know, we got some stuff going on too, alright, everybody, roll the video, let, that's, I think that's what I expect, is that it won't be a round table in the sense of discussions, and how do you feel about things, but rather more of what they missed without Evo being there, which presumably was them trying to show off otherwise yeah, exclusive stuff. Yeah. Uh, if if there is an aspect of the roundtable, I think what I would expect is they would talk about like what COVID's been doing to them. Yeah. You know, how has it affected each of your companies? Well, it's caused our company to slow down a little bit, which makes sense. No offline tournaments, that's a bummer. Like I, That I could see happening. But when it comes to more substantive stuff, Netcode, future plans, not just like right now, but like when Street Fighter 6 coming or right, whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. I don't really expect that to happen. I don't really expect them to ask each other stuff. Like if Harada is there and, and Ishiwatari is there, I don't expect them to be like, all right, Harada, what, what's coming up next for your company? And he'll be like, oh, this and that. What about you, Ishiwatari? Like, I, I just. That would surprise me. I would love to see that. And that's what I, I was just saying earlier. I would love to see that kind of stuff. I think that'd be <laughs> fantastic for us as a scene and, and as a little uh, sub-genre of video games. I just don't really expect it. Yeah. Hang on a second. I'm trying to look something up over here. Uh, but um, I, I don't expect... Look, I'm, tr- I'm just trying to be hopefully optimistic. <laughs> That's all it comes down to. I'm just trying to be hopefully optimistic. I would love it if they did discuss things. I'm, I'm sure you're probably yeah. right. It's probably going to be more about just showing things off. But it, there's probably going to be some big things. Because, I mean, every year Evo has bo- bombs dropped all over the place, right? So yeah, totally. I see people talk about it in the chat. I've had people discuss it with me. KOF 15 probably yeah. was a good chance that it was going to be revealed at Evo, right? And, right, and so, yeah. 
here's... Well, I mean, they, we know it's coming, but, like, to actually see footage of it. Right, to actually see footage. And, man, can you imagine if, like, they figured out how to make it look amazing? Like, that's all they need to do is just show, like, five seconds of, like, Iori and Kyo and just, like, the, the models and the lighting is just... And the shaders are just off the charts and then you're just like oh my god or what if they actually worked with arxis and you, you see it and it's like guilty gear style like oh, oh. don't get it. come on okay yeah you're right i'm sorry i'm doing this oh, again god. i'm doing this again i've got to oh, stop <laughs> oh, by the way what a hilarious phrasing of it can you imagine if they made it look good <laughs> wow could you uh, imagine if it looked could good you imagine 14 was not the prettiest game. They ended up making it look nicer, but, you know, it's not the prettiest game. 13 remains one of the greatest yeah. audiovisual works in a fighting game, in my opinion. So yeah. I'm sure that they have the ability to do that stuff. I would really like to see it look... Yeah, it's, 13 it... was a fantastic style. I'd love to see it look like that again, but it doesn't need to look like that again. Yeah. Just make it look cool, and they definitely have that capability. Yeah. I mean, Samurai Showdown, for example, looks pretty good. You know, still not, not up to snuff as, like, some of the crazier yeah. things like Tekken and Guilty Gear and stuff. But, yeah. You know, the it's... art style in it, I've often said, I think is really great. But I yeah. think the graphic power is pretty pretty weak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not very substantial. But, I mean, you can see... But at least you can tell the models are stronger, the lighting is better, and all that stuff like that. Yeah, so, for sure, for sure, yeah. for sure. But I, I, this, is, this is such an instructive point, right? So Bungalow in the chat just says... Kim's pants. <laughs> I didn't even play 13 that much, but I know exactly what he's talking yeah. about. Yeah. Well, like, so it's interesting because someone actually asked me this in the chat, I mean, on Twitter, and this might even be an interesting 5-5 discussion point at some point in time, but he's like, what do you think the chances are of like Capcom coming in and surprising us with like a an alpha sequel or Street Fighter 6 that are all sprite-based again? Like, what could it be? Because I, I tweeted out about like X-Men Children and the Atom and how pretty it was, and he was like, man, do you think Capcom could surprise us by making a new sprite-based game? And I was like, no. Like, it's never going to happen because as much as KOF 13 was beautiful and you see all the things that they had to do to get everything out of it, for a casual audience, for drawing people in, that you don't have the camera pans and you don't have the crazy cinematic supers and everything like that. Like, KOF 13 did great jobs of like, zoom in, screen shake, zoom in, screen shake. But that's like the most they can do. And not only that, but it's very difficult and very expensive now obviously niche companies can independent companies can take the time and do this you know like a lab zero and doing Skullgirls and such mm -hmm. but you're just never gonna i just don't think companies would do it anymore now that's not to say that they can't go the guilty gear route and do the nice beautiful hybrid of it so it looks like the sprite base but then you still get the cinematics which i think is actually the best choice to be honest with you. So, I mean... I'm sure not easy to make, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing is super hard to make. But what's interesting about it, though, is that um, uh, for reasons uh, that I know one person in the chat will know, I've actually looked up how much space all these games take up on disc from Steam. Okay. And Guilty Gear actually takes up a very small amount of space. Like, cause, and, and, did you see that one tweet that showed what Kai looked like without the lighting and the shaders? Yeah, I did. He, he looked, looked terrible. Terrible. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really bad. Right. Honestly. And so uh, I think uh, a That's lot. That's how it is. Though. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, if you do it that way, I I think it's it's 
it's just hard that you have to pose every position, but the models obviously don't have to be crazy detailed with the amazing textures and blah, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. I'll see if I can find, because uh, I think I retweeted it. So let me take a look if I can actually find that and uh, put it in the chat so people can see the terrifying, uh, terrifying guy. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I don't expect there to be a big back and forth. I don't expect there to be even like a terribly long stream. Like to me, when I see the word roundtable, in my head, what I'm thinking is like, let's have a few hours of a chat between people and we'll like get some interesting ideas worked out and, right. and maybe agreed on or, or not. I think what this is going to be is like an hour of like, hey, what's your video? Cool. Here's ours. That looks great. Like, I, that's more <laughs> what I would expect. Again, I'd love to see more than that. I really think there is... Boy, it'd be really great to have that kind of stuff so that we as fans could know about it people in the industry could know about it. I think that could be really useful and really interesting. It's just not really what I expect. Yeah. I mean, look, in my heart, I know you're right. (laughs) (laughs) In my heart, I know you're right. And I just, I mean, there was the one year when we were like, okay, Capcom will probably show one more character, but then they showed like Sagat and they showed G or something like that. And I was like, I I don't believe that they would show more than one character. There's no way. And then they showed two characters and I was like, wow, you know, like, you know, but you're right. I got to stop doing this to myself. I've got to, I've got to stop making myself believe in these kind of things because it's not going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. Uh, it would be very cool though so just a few days from now people asking again in the chat that will be on August 1st uh, in Japan so 9am August 1st Japan time which is also July 31st 5pm Pacific time so figure it out for wherever you live locally and then again 4 days after that on August 5th 10am Pacific time Capcom's going to have its own separate stream where it's already promised to have character reveals, esports news, and more. So, you know, if Capcom's going to be doing all that stuff there, I just, like, I'm not sure what they're going to be doing right. at this round table. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. We'll see. Oh, cool. I found it. Sweet. Here we go. I'm gonna, what are you doing? I'm oh, gonna, you got the Kai thing? I'm going to put it on the, I'm, I'm going to put it on our, on our page over here so you can see the terrifying face of Kai. Uh without shaders here i mean this thing is just it's terrifying dude i mean look at this thing what do you got maximize it for me oh yeah okay let me do this i need a third monitor dude okay you know what inception time we're just gonna have to do inception time here what you gotta do so there you go look at this thing look at him he's terrifying dude like he's absolutely terrifying give me that face here. Ugh! Yikes! Yeah. This is what this yeah. is what Kai looks like. I mean, look at this. He looks like somebody. Ugh. It looks like somebody who is like had really, really unsuccessful plastic surgery. That's what it looks like. You know, like someone trying to make themselves look younger and had a really botched up plastic surgery. Yeah, this is where Kai is now wealthy 
for suing the doctor for malpractice on the <laughs> terrible, terrible plastic <laughs> surgery job that he did. <laughs> so what's going on here? This is Rich Kai, but he had to lose his face to do it. Oh my god! Yeah, no, it's pretty. It's pretty wild how important lighting is. It's yeah. Something that is, it's not news <laughs> or anything, but it's it is very interesting to occasionally see what things look like without the excellent lighting jobs that people have done. Yeah, and someone actually mentioned to me, I talked about lighting, but they corrected me and said that it's actually more shaders than even just lighting. So there's some, okay, there's yeah. a concept called shaders that I wasn't aware of, and so I thanked him for educating me on that and everything like that. So apparently it's a shaders and lightning thing, but it is terrifying looking. Like, that Kai is terrifying. And then when you look at him in an excerpt, and it's just like the, the, the essence of this like extreme beauty, you know, it's ridiculous how sick it looks. Um, yeah, man. He looks great in that game. Everybody looks great in that game. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at it now, by the way, just to... <laughs> it's so different. It's crazy how different yeah, it is. I'll put the link in the chat of the tweet here. All right. So everybody else can m watch it in their own uh, crazy glory. Hey, don't say that in our chat or you're out. Yeah, I know, right? Even if you're Chinese, dude, don't say that. Don't say that. Yep. Okay. Well, anything else to say about this coming roundtable? Uh, I'm hopeful for it, and I hope that, you know, maybe they do it, and then people are mad that they don't do more, or they don't talk about netcode, and then maybe in the future they'll be like, maybe we should talk about more things like that, and then they do. <laughs> but like I said, the hopeful, the, my hope is that maybe this is something that they can do, you know, if there is discussion or something like that. Like, what if they did turn it into something more that, like, there is a show host that sits there and talks to them about it and asks them questions and stuff like that, you know? Uh, I think that would be cool. I think that would be cool, would especially be cool. if they do decide to, like, do it live at an Evo or something like that. Or, or a combo breaker now, for example, you know? You have a panel up there. That'd be super awesome. Yeah. Uh -huh. Would love to see that. Yep. Anyway, we're not going to, but I'd love to see that. <laughs> All right. I'm move on to these tournament results because there are a couple things to address. Oh yeah. Cool. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's start with the Capcom Pro Tour Online 2020 East Asia One. A reminder about how these work this year. To get into Capcom Cup, you must win a tournament. There's a couple other ways, whatever. The main way is you just have to win a tournament. It's not getting points like it almost always has been. It's, right. If you win, you're in, and if you don't, you're not. So getting second place doesn't matter. <laughs> and in this tournament, it was one of the most stacked events. It was just killer after killer. Every single pool had four to five players who I thought could credibly make top eight. Mm -hmm. It was just incredible. The depth of player talent. Almost 350 players signed up. And this was for players in South Korea, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Japan. Just to make that clear. So. This, this event was brutal. <laughs> it was brutal. Yeah, right away it was brutal. And the thing is that only the top 16 was streamed. So before that, you had to be watching players' individual streams to see what they were doing, 
or you had to know what their names were on CFN mm. and see the uploads that they were, you know, coming out with after they played. So it was really fun for me to watch this kind of haphazard stream, a set of streams, really, between players who were actually streaming themselves or people who were restreaming people streaming themselves in some cases, or people who were streaming like, all right, this new Momochi match just came up on CFN. Let's see what happened in it. And yeah, that was just funny to go back and forth. It was very interesting as a process, as a viewer. So many, like, I mean, it's funny because when you look at the top eight, like if you go through the results of this and you look at the top eight, you're going to name the top eight and you're going to be like, oh, seems pretty normal to me. You know, you've got the Momochis and Fudos and Daigos and Tokitos and Verloren, you know, nothing too surprising. But, you know, you have people like Haitani and Fujimura and Nemo and John Takauchi, Moke, and just, you just had names all over the place and none of them made the, the top eight. Well, I mean, granted, that's you can't because there's only a room for eight, but it was cool to see a couple of uh, lesser-known players make it in the top eight, uh, like Yoshikibi and uh, Costco. That was great. That was great. Yeah. Absolutely right. Great variety, too. All right, let's get to the results. So, sure. winner was Beast Daigo. <gasps> the Beast! <laughs> yeah. Second place was Beast Fudo with Poison, mostly, and a little bit of Armika. Third was KFGC Verloren with Kami. Then after that, you had Roto Tokido, Akuma, fourth. Fifth were Victrix Momochi, Seth, and FAV Ryusei, Yurian. And then seventh, like you said, Costco with mostly Blanca, one Honda, and Yoshikibi with Kami. Mm. Yeah, I mean, someone said in the chat, like, this event felt like one of the most, uh, like, what we're used to from tournaments of last year and such, you know, and the, the, the pedigree of play definitely was up there. But one thing I wanted to talk about a lot was Fudo's poison. I was surprised by that. And the way that Fudo played poison, it's almost like he's learning that character to counter Akuma because it didn't look like Tokido could do much at all to poison. It was crazy. It was actually kind of wild how well he controlled Akuma with Poison. And so, you know, it was really interesting to watch. And, you know, even having a bad matchup versus Kami, which that's what Jammer says. He says one of the f five worst matches in the game. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I heard if, that. Yeah, I don't know if that's All true. Right. But I'm not sure if Poison has any matches that are among the five worst in the game. That doesn't seem right to me. Yeah. But uh, for sure, he came back in loser side and took out Verloren really quickly with that same poison Kami matchup. So uh, seems like a really good addition to Fudo's character choice. Uh, to, to it makes total sense to me. Yeah. yeah, he's just such a fundamentally sound player. He's got great anti airs and great footsies, and great. He doesn't need extremely strong mixups to be really effective in mixups. He's just a very, he's a very good player at that. So I think that she, with her great Neutral game, anti-airs, footsies, all that sort of stuff. Ability to create situations for herself is really strong. And her damage is really high when she finds hits. I think that's a really, really good fit for him. And I continue to think that a character does not need an invincible tool in this game to be a top tier. I think there's been plenty of examples of that already being the case. G! G! G? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I don't think you need that. It's useful, but I think more important is the three-frame button, and even that might not even be yeah. 
what makes or breaks it. So, yeah, I think she's really good, and he's obviously really, really good with her. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, you, you know, the way you were talking about it, 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 it this is more the Fudo that we kind of remember as the Fei Long player. You know, this very careful footsies kind of wall yeah. kind of style of play. You know, we were always confused by the Mika pick, you know, but the poison seems to fit him really well. It does, it does. I also was really happy to see Momochi go with Seth the whole way. Yeah. I think Seth's super good. We have talked about this before. And I didn't even know about some of the stuff that Momochi was doing. The way he was using down roundhouse, I think, was really, really impressive as a hit confirm and as a as a pressure tool. I hadn't seen anybody use it like that. That was awesome. Yeah. He, he's already done a lot of the homework on V-Trigger 2. And he's he used it quite well. And, boy... When that character finds a hit on you, the corner carry <laughs> is three-quarters stage yeah. for one EX bar. And in fact, in some situations, that character gets a half-screen corner carry that builds bar because it's, it is a V-skill yeah. usage. Right? It builds you V-meter. It doesn't cost you EX meter. I just think the character is so good. And it for a player like Momochi to use Seth, I think, is a, an extremely strong fit. And look, Seth's only been out a few months, and typically people will not pick up characters who are more recently right. out, right, when it comes to the CPT. But I think Momochi and other people are recognizing how strong the character is, and, and they're making it happen. I mean, it's kind of the same reason why a lot of people, when Lucia first came out, everyone was like, she's going to be so good. Look at the corner carry has. She corner carry she has. That's very, very specific situations, it turns out, for her. But, you yeah. know, Momochi was just doing, like, very simple hits, and then all of a sudden you're all the way into the corner, and it's crazy. So yeah, I'm glad to see. Very, it. very cool to watch. Yeah, it was just and... it was just really cool because you know we we finally got to see what a lot of these Japanese players have kind of been labbing in the in the side and where they're going and everything. Although they do stream a lot, and to Daigo's yeah. credit, he streams every damn thing that he does, how he trains and everything. He's basically giving everyone the blueprint of how he's trying to turn himself into one of the best Street Fighter players. And then he beat everybody, so people are not yeah. paying attention. <laughs> you're, you're right. Yeah, it's all out there. It's all out there. It's funny because that's exactly the opposite mindset that Daigo himself used back in the day. Remember when he was playing Yun in AE? Uh -huh. SF4 AE? And he specifically did not want to be on camera in some situations because he wanted that to be kept secret. Yeah. <laughs> now he's just like, whatever. Very different mindset now. No, I think it's great. And then also pretty cool to see E-Honda make his first appearance in a CPT Top 8. Yeah. Got super busted, but I thought that was cool. And then Blanca did as well. So shout-outs to Costco. Yeah, Costco was awesome. Costco was super fun to watch in the top 16. His Blanca was just so entertaining. And, you know, I've always said it. Blanca is one of the true knowledge check characters in the game. You know, I think, you know, yeah. if you just go into fighting against Blanca without having played against Blanca a lot, he will destroy you. Once you figure him out, obviously, he's not, like, top tier or anything like that, but... He's just one of the characters that you don't see a lot. And so if you don't know how to fight him, he's just going to blow you up a bunch. A bunch. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, anything else to say about that event? It was probably the strongest CPT play so far this season. Uh, I mean, I do just want to, you know, take the time. And we'll talk about this a little bit more later on. But, I mean, seriously, shout-outs to Daigo, though. I mean, 
he he played so well. He played super solidly, and you know, in between all of his matchups, you should have seen. Apparently, he was training really hard in Minecraft. You know, to get all the pixel perfect spacing and stuff. I don't. Dude, mind. Yeah. It literally was. He was literally I, I, playing. Oh. Yeah. Minecraft, it was crazy, dude. But I mean, you know, High Fight posted up that one video clip of him like practicing the different punishes to Ibuki. Like if she V skilled, he flash kicked. If she whiffed crouching strong, he would sweep it. If he jumped, he would crouch fierce it. And I just watched that and like I try to do that with two options and I can't. Like I mm. literally cannot do it. And to see Daigo be able to do that so consistently, you know, is is absolutely at what thirty nine I think he is now. So I believe he's thirty nine. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, good well, stuff to him. It's already been clear, I think, that there's no real limit in age. Yeah. The yeah. the limit in age is actually old, right? Like it's the age when people have to retire from being a surgeon or a concert pianist, right? right. Which is old. It's right. Old. And, um, and and the only. And the only reason why we don't see a lot of those players that old still playing right now is because they had no belief that they could keep doing it. <laughs> no, they don't exist. Yeah. There's nobody older than Sako who grew up playing fighting games. That's the max. He was like 12 or 13 when Street Fighter came out. Hey, like, well, hey hang on older. a second. I'm older than Sako is. <laughs> okay, I know you are, but could you say that you grew up playing fighting games in the way that Sako Oh, did? I see what you're saying. Okay, okay. I think that's the max. Fair, 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 fair. Yeah, 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 you're right. I was not growing up playing fighting games. I only started playing fighting games like around in like uh, late high school, college. So it wasn't yeah, like man. wasn't like playing them since I was a kid where, you know, where you, you can learn language easier. <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know? right, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. so I, I expect these players to keep playing as long as they want. Yeah. It will be cool, yeah, to see a 70-year-old fighting game player. Why not? Why not? Why Absolutely not Sako with his grandkid? It's gonna be his granddaughter instead of his daughter. Oh, I hope this will happen. This Dude, will be so can you imagine if Sako really cool. ever ran into his daughter in a tournament? Oh, please, please. <laughs> it would be so great. It would be so great. I want that to happen so badly. Oh man, that would be crazy. Right after, by the way, right after uh, she eliminates Bone Chan's kids, you know. <laughs> Yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> the rivalries are passed down through the generations. <laughs> Got some Final Fantasy eight plot lines here, dude. Oh, man. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it was a good event. Okay. There was also a a big Smash event. Uh, Gommel, Get On My Level is a big one. Uh, but, of course, can't happen offline. So it's this year, instead of Get On My Level, it's Get On My Line. That was pretty cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so uh, it was uh, it was big. Uh, 1,300 players for Melee, about 2,000 for Ultimate. So huge to be expected. Were, right? they, all using this, were they all using Slippy's Melee, the, the, the rollback? Oh, you know, actually, I'm not sure. I didn't look into that. I don't know whether they're playing on Slippy or not. I hope okay, so. Okay. I would expect so. Yeah. For Melee. But I'm not sure if anybody in the chat knows for sure. Let me know. Ultimate was won by TSM Tweak with Diddy Kong and Wolf. Armada Best Ness got second with Ness and Piranha Plant. Sick. I got to go back and watch this. <laughs> uh, okay. And then Cola got third with Roy and Cloud. That, huh. And then they, they were. That's awesome. Okay. They were playing on Slippy indeed. Yeah, nice, nice. And speaking of Melee, played on Slippy, it was won by UIU Nun with Captain Falcon. Uh, IBDW, PGI IBDW, got second place with Fox, and then Ginger Falco in third after that. 
just to know, I guess I'll finish this one out. CLG SFAT, fourth with Fox. Bobby Big Balls with got fifth with Falco and Spark, fifth with Sheik. And then seventh were Two Saint with Jigglypuff and Liquid Hungry Box with Jigglypuff, which I mentioned because we're going to be talking about yeah. Hungry Box later on in the show. Yeah, no, slip the the slippy rollback thing is huge for melee right now. I've I asked people as soon as it got revealed, like I was like, oh, like how are people liking it? And some people are like, this is the most amazing thing ever. So uh, a lot of people love it right now. So it it could almost bring a second life back into melee. I mean, a third, fourth life now back into melee actually, because right, right. now it's the best online Smash Brothers. <laughs> Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's the best online Smash Brothers. Uh, there was another melee event. Uh, that was the LACS a um, couple of days ago uh, at this point. Actually, I don't... Yeah, it was a couple of days ago. Uh, in any case, uh, there was a bunch on the line. The the Gama one, I believe, was 5,000, if I recall correctly. Mm. Let me know if that's wrong. That's my remembrance. And then LACS actually had 25,000 on the line, okay. which was extremely large. 25,001, I want to point out, which meant that it beat out uh, another tournament by one buck. Uh, anyway, Zane, Zane won it. Nice work. Now, uh, asking the, the lawyer side of David here, do with the prize money on the line do does that mean they have to limit it from certain states and stuff like that like other tournaments do depends on how they did it i don't know what the financial situation was if they were to take in money from players as entry fees and then pay out based on entry fees as well mm -hmm. then yeah they probably would have to limit it but okay. if instead entry was like free and they just they just had a twenty five thousand and one dollar from like prize a sponsor pool. yeah yeah however they did that uh then they probably would not have to limit okay it. okay gotcha gotcha sure. yeah because i'm just curious yeah, how that whole I'm, thing... I'm not just talking about region locking to north america i mean there are some states and provinces in north america that are not cool with you using entry fees to also make payouts out of them. right I mean, so I, I had looked at it a long time ago, talked to Vi a long time, like maybe two years ago about like, hey, what if I ran some fight cade tournaments with Alpha 3 and like all this stuff? And he was like, hey, well, you'd have to ban these like seven states because you can't they can't enter for money and then uh, and then you can't yep. pay them out that way. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's kind of a weird situation, but mm -hmm. it's the way it I, works. Uh, I helped them do the research on that. Yeah. And uh, that's why I said from need to talk to the lawyer side. <laughs> I'm sure you yeah, know right. all. You're super familiar with all of that. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, we'll just get the. I'm looking for. I believe Hungrybox got. Yeah, he got 13th place overall. On LA on LACS at LACS. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So again, um, we'll talk about him later on. But yeah. those are both really big events, and and shoutouts to Melee for doing as well as it is right now. Like you were saying, Slippy is a big shot in the arm for that game, which was doing, and has been doing great. But it's also awesome to see that it's even getting better and bigger. All right. Well, those are the only tournaments that I have to talk about. Okay. Uh, do you want to take a break then? And when we come back, we can talk about some 5-5 matchup stuff? You got it. All right. Be right back, guys.
love this song. I want to use it in like all of the breaks that I have, dude, for everything. It's just so chill. And it's still one of the best, uh, uh, oh, whoa. My, my alert window is not large enough or something. I think you have it on still on the old alerts. What? I definitely changed that. Oh, okay. Let's see. Well, well I'm going to double check on Streamlabs. Well, obviously it's not right. I could see that. But, uh, <laughs> I definitely did try to change it. Okay, no worries, no worries. Oh, man. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's on the Tuesday show. I wonder why I brought that one up. Shoutouts to Bill Hicks for subscribing with Twitch Prime as well. Thank you. Thank High you, five. Long-time viewer, long-time supporter of our streams. Appreciate that very, very much. Indeed, thank you. It's one of the cool things. Like, a lot of the names that we see in the chat, like I see ZXC Just and, you know, Bill Hicks and... Especially this Mubot guy. He's been following us forever, mm. dude. It's, Mubot's it's been a big part of the Ultra Chen TV experience, yeah. Hey, I'll be right back. Okay. Muckmaster, Sarah the Hero, High Fight, of course. Ah, Fugu Tabetai. Nice. What's going up, Fugu? Snowboarding Bulldog. Snowboarding Bulldog has been more prominent recently, unless Snowboarding Bulldog is actually... Uh, uh, Kamala is a cop and, and stuff, and now he's just Snowboarding Bulldog. Uh, it's the same color, it's the same red color, and none of the other political guys are there anymore. And Snowboarding Bulldog is pretty um, prominent here, very similarly to how the to, to, to how uh, Kamala's a cop in the Bernie uh, account. Oh, it is him! <laughs> nice! I'm, I'm literally the best, dude. <laughs> It's weird. It's just more the dialogue that 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 what you're talking about is the dialogue, you know. Oh, Tubby, just don't don't go there. Don't go there. That is all bullshit, and it's all it's all fucking stupid. Like that is like that attitude right there is so outdated and incorrect. It's just not true anymore just don't don't go there it's not true oh, man the entire gaming space it's not even just the FGC it's twitch in general it's all the esports, all of esports, it's the FGC, geek cultures, Comic Con, all that stuff all right. like that. We need to, uh, we need to make sure that we curb a lot of that shit out there. So, all right, this is not going anywhere. So look, yeah, just blow it up. It's yeah. Fine. By the way, David, I got it right that Snowboarding Bulldog was formerly Kamala as a cop and everybody, so, you know. Ah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. I was like, you know what? The name is red. The conversation is kind of in the same kind of uh, degree. So I was like, I think that's him. And he's like, yep, that's me. <laughs> Wait, do people get to choose what color their name appears? Yeah, you can choose what color your name appears. 
Are you serious? Yeah. Is that new? No, it's been there forever. Click on chat settings. <laughs> Click on chat settings. And then uh, when you go to identity, you'll see the edit. Make sure you go to non-mod settings. And you'll see okay. identity, you click edit. And I can't believe it. Name color at the bottom. I can't believe it. Oh my god. <laughs> I never knew. Look everybody, I've been on Twitch since before. It was called Twitch, all right? All right, all right. I I used to pick the dark blue color and I only changed it to lighter blue recently because in um when you go into readable mode where it turns everything black, the the dark blue is so dark that they changed that to a purplish color. So I just made myself light blue so it works on both of them that way. Give it time, give it time, David. It'll switch to red eventually. It takes a while, it takes a while, or it might even take a refresh or something like that to get it to work. Right. But yeah, well, there you I'm go. Ready to come back, by the way. And then you also, that's where you can select your customizable badge if you want the, you know, verified badge or if you want the uh, Twitch Prime badge or whatever like but that you can so, decide i can't believe any of this yeah stuff. there's a check mark or a crown that you can go amazing. with that's why some people have crowns instead of uh check marks and stuff so amazing i can't believe it <laughs> all right all right all right it's fun okay by the way I've been using Winamp to play all this, speaking of all this stuff, I've been using Winamp to play all this music forever, and only just today, before the stream started, I found out that if you right-click the stop button, there's a stop with fade out. And I I right-clicked the, the, the stop button by accident, and I saw that, and I was like, sick! So I'm gonna use that right now. Here you go. <laughs> Yeah! Mm. Alright. Welcome back everybody to the Tuesday show. We're gonna move on with the 5-5 matchup questions at this point where we talk about stuff that we want to talk about and what you guys want us to talk about. What's on the docket, David? Alright. Number one is, are video games a waste of time? <laughs> are they a waste of time? This is inspired by people's reactions to a Joe Rogan clip where he basically is like video games are a waste of time but you know to, to dive into that a little bit more uh, I'm no Joe Rogan fan or follower but apparently he he himself has been playing games since the 90s like he's been super addicted to them it's not him coming from a place of being like video games are bad instead it's more like video games are super fun but they're not gonna get you somewhere, right? They're not gonna, you don't get physically fit, you don't get money, you don't, right? There, there's no payoff, in right. a sense, whereas maybe some other hobbies would have that. What it sounded uh, like, then, what it yeah. sounded more like is that he was just kind of talking about as a cautionary tale based on his personal experience that he became addicted to Quake and that's all he did was play Quake over and over and over again, and now probably at this point he feels like he regrets spending all that time playing games. Could be. Could be. It did mm -hmm. seem like it. So uh, people had a lot of responses to this. What do you think? I mean, look, I, I do agree that there's a level of, you know, becoming obsessed, you know, if that's literally all you do and you just have nothing else in your life, right? But video games as a hobby, as a pastime, look, they're not any more addicting 
then good movies, then good books, then comic books, then whatever form of media out there. Any hobby that you have can be addicting. In fact, even some people can be dangerously addicted to like the going to the gym, you know, where they just like just constantly go to the gym and like they pay no attention. They don't talk to anybody. You know, anything can become an obsession and anything can be a yeah. problem. The problem is video games still have the stigma associated with them because we aren't at an age, right? Like, like I've always said, nobody's old enough right now to have proven that you can't grow out of old out of video games. Nobody's old enough for that. You know, no, except we'll keep playing it until we're gone, of course. Yeah. Uh, except for maybe like Walter Day, Billy Mitchell, whatever, you know, those guys like that. But, you know, we don't have anyone who's grown up with a console prominently featured in their parents' hobbies as a kid who now have grandkids. And, you know, anytime anything has come out, I, I remember reading articles about, oh, what was it? It was, it was like, even like, I mean, Shakespeare plays were considered tawdry trash, Back in the day, well, you know, I mean, there was so much sex. Audrey, yeah. It was like sex and violence, sex and violence. It was like corrupting the kids. Shakespeare was corrupting the kids. And now we make kids read Othello in, you know, high school. <laughs> so this is just a cycle that's repeating itself. And uh, it'll take a while before it will be dead and long gone before it's it's over. And so, to me, it's just like, whatever. I don't really care about what Joe Rogan said about it, you know, and it's whatever at this point, so. Okay. Well, I think my initial reaction is that a thing is not a waste of time if it's not making you money or if it's not moving you somewhere, mm -hmm. if it's not building your career. It doesn't mean that it's a waste of time. I think there's still a lot of value that you can get, and that's important. And I don't want to view things as only important if they are making you money or if they are you know improving some sort of financial or business aspect of your life I think most of the things that are super important in life don't do that uh, so mm. to me that doesn't mean that it's a waste of time that said I do think it's true that games are more likely to cause people to become addicted because they're designed that way yeah uh, they in in times past, we're not specifically designed that way. So like this is, you know, I think I think maybe 15 years ago to say that games are as addicting as anything else might have been right, but now I think that's not true. Like, I think that there are many games that specifically make it so that you are incentivized to play as much as possible. There's daily check-ins. There's rewards that you get from playing however much time. This is definitely a design feature and. Yeah, it's true that it's more addicting. I've been addicted to stuff. I've been addicted to Warcraft, World of Warcraft, and to Civilization. And I will not allow myself to install either of those games. I just can't take that risk. I think that I'm not in a state of mind anymore where I'm likely to get addicted to them. But I do think that I'm just it, as I'm susceptible to that, yeah. and I and I can't take that look, risk. Look, David, so, David, I just want to say that I don't think you're right. Oh, hang on a second. I haven't spent my stamina on Final Fantasy Record Keeper. Hang on a second. Let me make sure I do that there real quick. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a design philosophy nowadays to get people to play most, uh, to spend more of their time than maybe in the past. Yeah, I don't know what you do about that, but I do think that that's true. I just think that it's not a waste of time. If you're not addicted to it, right? Being addicted to anything is, is not going to be good for you. Again, like you were saying, anything is addictive. just depends mm -hmm. on the personality. It's on the human. Right. 
And that's not going to be good regardless of what it is. But I'm not opposed to spending a lot of time playing video games. Clearly, yeah. here I am on a show about video games. <laughs> <laughs> I play a lot of games. I don't consider myself addicted to fighting games. I feel that I can step away from them. I feel that I will miss them, but I won't feel the same kind of like urge or urgency to play them that I have felt in the past with things like WoW. Yeah. I just enjoy them. So I do think that that's valuable. It's just like it's valuable to have a good time. It's valuable yes. to feel like you're improving at something. Those are good. And for a very small subset of people, very small, there is potentially money in it, right? So, like, you and I do make some money doing commentary and the like, and that's not many people, but it's, you know, probably a comparable percentage of people who start out playing basketball or football or baseball or yeah, whatever, yeah. soccer, and end up making money from it, right? That's also very rare. Um, and yet there are people who are tuned into that. So I, I'm not, I'm, I agree with him that video games can be addicting, of course, I think that they're more likely to be addicting nowadays than they previously were. But as long as somebody's not addicted, I think it's totally fine to spend time playing yeah. games. I mean, I, I made the joke about Record Keeper. I've been playing a lot of Teppin and stuff recently. But, you know, there was one point in time where I started kind of evaluating my mobile game time. And I was playing it, like, probably way more than I should be. But there's ways to kind of mitigate it a little bit. You know, I've been... I've been, my sleep schedule's been messed up. I'm sleeping badly and everything, and I just haven't mm. been getting much exercise. And uh, nowadays, I just started this like maybe a week or two weeks ago now, is that uh, before I take a shower at night, because I shower at night because that's just how I am, um, I actually jump on an exercise bike. And I play all my mobile games on the exercise bike. And I, that's so good! And, because I would spend like maybe an hour playing mobile games before I go to sleep every night, you know, just getting in my daily matches of this and this and this, I will not stop pedaling until I'm done. So however long it takes me to play, <laughs> like that's what, it, and even if I play a game that busts out an ad or something like that, if it busts out an ad, I force myself to have to pedal over a certain uh, uh, speed. <laughs> You know, so while I'm just sitting waiting for the ad to finish, like I'll just be like pedaling even harder and stuff. So you can actually turn it into uh, different ways to work out. You know, so that's that's kind of my Absolutely. solution now. So there you go. <laughs> I think that's awesome, man. Yeah, for I'm sure that's not easy for you to start. It's something I've been doing for a long time. As I'm playing fighting games, even when I'm streaming, uh -huh. I make sure to take a break at least once an hour to do some kind of workout like i'll be streaming on this channel right and uh -huh. every hour i say to people i'll be taking a break i'm gonna do push-ups or i'm gonna do dips or i'm mm -hmm. gonna do whatever squats it is nothing that's supposed to like really give me gains but i'm just trying to get a little bit of physical activity in there yeah. and i've long used mobile games as stuff to play while i'm on a treadmill right, yeah. for example. So i think that's great dude that's super cool to hear it's funny because like at one point in time i would do that there was one game that i was playing that you know every every so often i would stop and do push-ups you know it was dance dance revolution i would try to do like five push-ups between each song so i took a break from exercising to exercise Dude, ripped at the time. Okay, let's I, go. I wish I didn't keep it up. I, I, I was too lazy to keep that up. So, oh All man. Right. All right. Anyway, um, you know, I, I think I think Joe Rogan's coming at this again. I'm not a fan particularly. I don't really know that much about him, but 
I've read that he's been addicted to games in the past, and he spent like a lot of money, for example, to install a T1 line like 25 years ago when nobody had internet that was like that. I had to go to <laughs> university to get anything that approached good internet. Uh, and, he, and I guess he already had it. So he's coming from a position that I can definitely identify with, right? Of yeah, feeling yeah, like yeah. I'm addicted to games, and I, I really don't want other people to experience that, you know? So I would what can you say really but i would caution people don't get addicted to video games like it's very obvious right, don't yeah. get addicted okay uh, but i i identify with i can certainly sympathize with him wanting other people to not get involved in that again though video games without addiction totally fine fun enjoyable that's what life's about have a good time look all, all i'll say is this i am an addict you know like final fantasy record keeper is probably like people ask me what video game have you put the most time into in your life i mean clearly it's final fantasy record keeper at this point in time i don't think there's any question at this point so i play it like wow. literally every day right so i mean there's no yeah, way that the and i've been playing it for like six years dude the only game that could rival that is super turbo that's the only game that could rival that right now is super turbo but uh, I'm not sure. I have no idea. So, um, yeah. so yeah, absolutely. Game responsibly. You know, everything. Like I said, is an addiction. Games are designed to be more addictive, you know, than anything else. But at the same time, I mean, I I, I feel like everything is kind of that. like I said. That's a cautionary tale for everything that yeah. has been new. You know, oh, hey, like I said, Shakespeare plays, you know, like, oh, let's go watch this trash filth in the theater, you know, and it's like all this stuff is designed to be addicting, right? Shakespeare didn't write those plays because he was like, I must create these plays for artistic integrity to maintain through the century. No, he was trying to write things to get people into the audience, dude. <laughs> yeah. I believe he was trying to write things uh, to satisfy his agreement with uh, Sandman, with Morpheus, so that he would become famous for all of all of time my understanding of the real reason behind William Shakespeare's works okay I think that's it about this topic yeah uh, let's move yeah. on to the next one that we have identified before we get to the viewer topics which is <laughs> that's right is Daigo one of the all-time greatest Street Fighter 5 players Cause I think, what do you got for me, James? Because I think at one point in time, you even said that you're not even sure if he's one of the top five greatest fighting game players of all time, right? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I think certainly he's in the conversation for it, but I think that I would... If, if he had continued to play other games than just Street Fighter, uh -huh. I think it would have been for sure, because he was, of course, a top-level player at many different games in the past. But I think if I'm thinking about like the all-time greatest fighting game players, I have to be thinking about more than people who are concentrating on one right. game yeah. or one series. And for Daigo, it's been just Street Fighter for like a decade now. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not, I, for me, that's really the only reason that I think I would be hesitant to put him in there. If the conversation instead is like, who's had the biggest impact or who's the most talented, sure, I think he's very reasonable. He has to be in most influential. And I think very reasonably could be placed in most talented as well. As far as Street Fighter Five. Specifically, is he one of the five greatest Street Fighter Five players of all time? Of all well, time. of like the last four years, five years. I mean, it's it's interesting because it took him a bit. He had trouble at first, and what's actually really fascinating to me, 
the reason why I would like I would have to sit down and think about like who I would put in there, right? Obviously, like Punk would have to be in there, Tokido would have to be in there. You know, I would have to sit down and really think about that list, but the reason why Daigo would actually fit in there is because I know that the game wasn't made for his playstyle. And, you know, I, I've been talking about this kind of thing a long time. Daigo even talked about it, how different the game is and why Nuki, as a player who's one of the greatest fighting games players of all time, can't succeed at Street Fighter V because he said Street Fighter V is a very different kind of game than what we're used to. This is a knowledge-based game as opposed to a decision-speed-making kind of game, you know. The way that he described it is very kind of how, I, how I've processed the game as well. And frankly, the game is not made for him. It's not made for the Justin Wongs. Uh, and both of those players are playing a more different kind of... They're, they're more used to playing different kind of fighting games. Uh, Justin obviously has had different priorities. He has a family now, etc., etc. So it's very, very different. Uh, but uh, Daigo, the fact that he has produced himself into having this kind of success at a game that his brain is not particularly suited for, that he can warp his mind into becoming someone who can win at these tournaments, I think is a huge testament to his capabilities and how he's able to shift from one style of play completely to a new style of play. So is he one of the top five players? He might be. Because, like I said, just the fact that he's at this point and he's winning again and he just beat Tokido in a first to ten. Tokido is one of the greatest of all time, you know, uh, for Street Fighter V and he beat him in a first to ten and then he just won this tournament. Uh, it's really impressive to me to see how he has gone from being pretty irrelevant in Street Fighter V at the beginning to now he's just basically one of the best and doing it by streaming all the time and showing exactly how he's training and everything. So uh, if I sat down and really tried to compose a list, for those reasons, he would have a strong potential to be in the top five for me. Interesting. I did think about this beforehand, and my top five is Tokido, Punk, Infiltration, Fudo, and Fujimura. Those are my top five Street Fighter V players. Okay. I think that's a pretty good list. I didn't spend a lot of time on this. I didn't, like, for example, go back and look through all the results, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I feel like that's a pretty good list. Yeah. I wouldn't have Daigo in there. I would have, I mean, he's a great player, of course, and clearly at any one moment, he could be the best in the world. Like maybe he is right now. He's certainly one of them. Um, but as far as the body of work over like the four or five years that the game's been out, mm -hmm. I don't think that I could say that for him. So yeah. he's good. And it's it's really awesome to see him doing what he's doing. I think that's super cool. Not just for the age angle like we talked about, but he's such a big fan favorite, and he's somebody who I always personally root for, as you well know, and uh, I think that's really cool to see Yeah, that he's yeah. doing so well. Yeah, like I said, for yeah. me... I mean, look, I'm not saying nothing about the man's other... This is only a question of skill in game, right, to be clear. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, honestly, like, it's it's just super impressive to me, you know, that Daigo has found success in this game. Because I really didn't think he was going to. In my mind, I was really honestly believing that he was never going to find this kind of success in the game. Because I just really didn't feel like it was designed for him. And I know a lot of people kind of sometimes argue me with, you know, the idea that games are designed for certain mindsets. But then I just bring up Samurai Showdown, Evo Top 8, right? Like... Boom, right there. You have the perfect example of what happens if you create a game that's more designed for old school mentality than all the old school players win. <laughs> so it definitely happens. It definitely happens. But for Daigo, like I said, his mindset is of that style. That's how he played. It's one of the reasons why he was so good at Guilty Gear at first, but never considered one of the best Guilty Gear players because yeah. Guilty Gear in the end also required this kind of knowledge thing, you know, that, that really dominated a lot of play. And, uh, you know, Daigo never wanted to dedicate himself going down that path. It's exactly what he said about Nuki. He's like, Street Fighter V takes knowledge. Nuki is lazy. He doesn't want to study. He doesn't want to do any of this stuff. So he'll okay. never get good at Street Fighter V. He's like, he'll never get good at it because he doesn't want to take the time to study. And so, does that mean he's not a good player? He's like, no, that Nuki's an amazing player. He's just lazy, that's all. And he said, he even said that he was that way at first with Street Fighter V. And so, you know, mm. that he has been able to process that really shows his mind. And, you know, obviously if there was top five for effort, <laughs> Daigo would be in the top five for sure. Greatest of all time, like you said, like you said, your list is super solid. Doesn't even include people like Knuckle Doo, doesn't even have someone like yeah. uh, doesn't even have someone like Idom in it, you know what I mean? Yeah, like I, I, I would definitely say right outside of that for me, and also great answers for this question. Knuckle Doo, Problem X, Momochi. Momochi, like there's definitely a good other cast of players who could be in there just as yeah, credibly. Exactly, exactly. So again, I'm it's just one of those things that just made me happy to see someone like Daigo succeed at this game. It's just really what it comes down to, so I hear you. By the way, I'm eating cake. That's cake? Yes, with a healthy dose of frosting. Okay, okay. Is that real frosting or is that fondant or whatever? James, is that real frosting? Yeah, this is buttercream. This is, yeah, for sure. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, because, like, there's been a lot of those fancy cakes these days. You see all those stupid videos of, this is a cake or whatever? But most of that is just made via uh, that thing called fondant or whatever like that. Just to... Yeah, just to make it, you know, shaped a certain way. And it's not the greatest tasting thing. You know what I mean? Like frosting is... I do. Frosting I've eaten a lot of it, and it's not the greatest tasting yeah. thing. Yeah. No, this is frosting with cake, and it's... The reason I'm eating it is that my wife is a pastry chef, and she's currently making cake for a client, and that cake is going to be a Star Wars-themed cake. So it had to be... It's basically a circular cake... There's going to be a Death Star on top of it. There's going to be a Yoda. It's going to be super sick. Uh, but if you're going to make a cake, you sort of bake it in a square, and then you cut out the sides so oh, it looks wrong. So I get the little shavings afterwards. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, okay. It is. All right. I do like that, though. Uh, the, 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 you know, when you do cut those cakes and make them split, you know, and then Cone in the chat said, Jean-Claude Fondant. And so, you know, I, that, that's like when the cakes are doing the splits, right? So, oh, okay. You know, yeah, so I think attenuated, but I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Man, right, and again, uh, look, here. I'm just going to have one more issue, okay? I'm just going to have one more okay. issue, David. 
You come and visit me all the time. You're getting all these cake shavings and all that stuff. Yes, Where's my piece of the cake? Look at him eating this in front of me like this. Don't you guys out there consider this so rude? Look at look at this. He's just mocking me now. He's just mocking me now. God. Done. Should bring enough for everybody. <laughs> Did you see that tweet out there? <laughs> it was like, you know, for his birthday, Bernie Sanders should give away 90% of his cake. And someone responded, uh, that's what you do when you have friends. <laughs> <laughs> that is how birthday cakes work, yeah. <laughs> I do remember that, yeah. Oh, God, that was, like, the greatest tweet ever, dude. I was just like, oh, my God, it's so good. <sighs> Where was the government when I was on food stamps? Nobody helped me then. <laughs> there's, some, there's some geniuses out there, for sure. Where was the government? All right. uh, Let's talk about the viewer questions here yeah, for sure. the 5-5 matchup. We always take requests from the community, then let the subscribers on Twitch and Patreon decide. And here are the results. Talk about the questions first. Number one. What is the right way to label frame data? Last startup frame equals first active frame? Or should they be separate? We can talk about that, I guess. Maybe that's not a question per se in the same way that we usually handle. Right. <laughs> Two. Is Fantasy Strike's new free-to-play model in which online friend matches are free but ranked and offline matches are not a reasonable idea for upcoming fighting games? Three. What's your favorite fighting game soundtrack? Four, what are your personal opinions on guest or crossover characters in fighting games? Should more or less games have them? I, I can't like, believe I let that error go. This should be, should more or fewer games have them? Uh, I, feel like we've, I feel like we've answered some of these before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think Capcom Pro Tour should have more slots for competitors from East Asia? Or are you more excited about the diversity of players from other regions we will have this year? Six, should accessibility for all audiences be a topic of discussion at the Japanese roundtable, whatever it's called, Japanese fighting game roundtable, JBFG. The, 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 the Japanese big freaking gun. <laughs> anyway, seven, what would make fighting a CPU player as fun as fighting someone online? And which fighting game has the most fun CPU to play against? Eight. If there was a new release for Third Strike, would you rather it have Edition Select so you could pick Next Generation or Second Impact versions, or Rainbow Edition with zany moves, or a regular rebalance of Third Strike? Here's what won. Hmm. Number seven. What would make a fighting... What would make fighting a CPU player as fun as fighting someone online? And which fighting game has the most fun CPU to play against? Alright, updating that. How do we make fighting the CPU fun? Uh... The only time that I've enjoyed, or at least even found fighting game CPUs interesting is in those games where they have like shadow modes where you can play against AIs that are either tuned to seem like some other player like Virtua Fighter had a thousand years ago mm -hmm. or that like learn from your style 
specifically, and then you can like play against the facsimile of yourself. I I think those can be interesting. I've never spent a lot of time on them, so yeah. uh, you know, I'm not an expert in this question. I would say, but I do think that those are more interesting. When I've played against the CPU, the games that I've played against the CPU the most are games that I've played the most in the arcade. Because once I got home, I never played the CPU, right? I either played online or I played with friends. But at the arcade, if people were there, then of course I'd play against them. But, you know, sometimes people weren't there. Mm-hmm. And then I would be playing against the Third Strike arcade mode, or I'd be playing against Super Turbo arcade mode. It's really yeah. one of those two. And so I played a lot against them. I thought the Super Turbo one was interesting only in the sense that each character, or at least most characters, have a pattern that they can do that the CPU doesn't know how to deal with. Yeah. So there's right. So like as Vega, you can stand at a certain range and just press down medium punch or stand fierce, right, and the yeah, opponent yeah. will walk into it over and over and over again. That's it. Or if you're Blanca, you could just like crouch and they will just jump and you can do a ball. Right. There's right. there's. So figuring that out is like mildly interesting problem solving, but that's all I really have in terms of experience. Yeah. I mean, what can they do? So the first part of the question is, what would make a fighting a CPU player as fun as fighting someone online? Uh, My answer to that is never will happen. Mm. Uh, Never will happen. Impossible. Like, yeah, we've already created a computer that can actually fight against the greatest Go players in the world right now. That took decades and go is still as open as it is it's still limited in what you can do the reason why fighting games are so scary is because there's very little progression in it at any point in time you can do anything you want you're never going to get a computer to mimic someone unless you do the shadow thing and have it so that it's trade like maybe what you can do is just have a giant network that every match played online starts adding to an AI or something like that and eventually you just get this weird giant amalgamation but then it'll never lose right <laughs> it'll basically be everyone potentially yeah, um, well, fighting game CPUs can just be made unbeatable because they have zero frame reactions, right? right? So right. they, so there's no mix-up that could work. They could tech every throw, they could anti-every jump, they could hit you right. when you're trying to do... They could whiff punish you 100% of the time. But that's not interesting, right? Right, so and, here's the thing. Here's, here's the reason why that I say this, though, because a lot of people yeah. are saying you can make them strong, you can do all this stuff like that. The problem is, if you do that you're going to teach people incorrectly because the reason why I try to teach people so much about fighting games are a two-player game as opposed to a one-player game. When you play against a computer, you're going to learn patterns, right? So, like, for example, when you played Street Fighter 2, every time you hit Fierce, Ryu would uppercut you, like, 100% of the time with Dalsum. You hit Fierce and he would uppercut you. That was the only way they could program the Shotos to fight Dalsum was to uppercut your limb every time. So then you found out if you hit Strong at a range, they would whiff uppercut, so you do Strong, Fierce, Strong, Fierce, Strong, Fierce, and that's all you would do is Strong, he'd whiff an uppercut, Fearsome, and stuff like that. And so you could program computers to whiff punish you and do all these things, but then you just end up with this really terrible thing that teaches people how to play fighting games incorrectly. So it's never going to be as fun as playing against a person because you're never going to get to be able to get the CPU to adjust to things that you're doing, you know. Uh, AI is, I mean, as a programmer who has taken AI classes, AI is not easy, 
right? Like, do you program reactions so that they only whiff punish your sweep when they're in range 90% of the time? Do you program them so that 10% of the time they just do it too late so it gets blocked? Do you just... You know, because like, uh, for example, there was X-Men The Next Dimension. They put a parry in that game, which in actual versus play was kind of useless, but the computer abused it. Every time you touched a button, they would parry it. And there was a game review that said they only put the parry in the game so that the computer could beat you up. And uh, one of my friends who worked on the game was like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it, it wasn't why they put it in the game, but it was like, as it turned out, that was the only thing that it did, right? So AI is super hard to program, very, very hard to program. And so the only way you can do it is to have a computer that is fun to fight is after years and years and years and years, right? After years and years and years and years. You can't make a game come out and have a fun computer to fight because you do have to give it that machine learning. You do have to create those shadow things. You'll never have that. And, you know, just to kind of go along with that, he asked what has been my favorite game to fight the computer in. Uh, I will say, going back to KOF 13, the very first time I saw this, that you could play training mode in the arcade, that was my favorite way to ever play uh, against the CPU. <laughs> and that, there you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, a lot of people are making points about AI. Uh, I just don't know anything about it, but uh, uh, I'm fundamentally not interested in playing against the CPU, but I'm right. sure that it could be made more interesting than it is. What I would really like to see is something different from CPU. The only time that I play against the CPU is to learn a little bit about what my character does. Mm -hmm. And so it would be great if when I was playing against the CPU, even if the game otherwise didn't say things like punish or whatever, maybe, mm -hmm. I would really like to know that for the CPU. Right? If I'm just playing against something that is not me versus a human, give me all the info. Like, let me know everything that's going on as sort of like a modified training mode. I, I would like to know that because that's kind of how I use it now. It's just that I have to sort of figure it out. But I would really appreciate that kind of stuff being in there. That's all. I think that's what I, will, all I, I would like to see. Yeah. Again, you know, just regarding some of the questions that are in the chat here, you know, like, uh, where's the one? You know, if the CPU difficulty was essentially adjusting the CPU's reaction time, like the hardest level would be 12 frames, just play Super Turbo. <laughs> There's been the joke of putting the ST CPU as one of the entrants in a tournament to see how far it can get for years, for decades now. Because we're all pretty sure the SD computer, depending on which one you ran into, if you ran into Kami, you might be okay. But if you ran into DJ or like Chun-Li, like you would pretty much be dead, you know, kind of situation. <laughs> because, I mean, Alpha 1. Alpha 1 and Alpha 2. Alpha 2 was the worst one. You jabbed and they would super you. Like, you just, you were so scared to touch a button, you'd go, jab, super! And then they would hit you with a level one super every single time in reaction to you hitting a button. And, like, if you did that, the computer would literally be unbeatable. If you programmed a computer to do the yeah. correct thing with a 12-frame response time, the, you would literally never beat it. So, like I said, then what do you do? Do you program a window of mistake? Do you try to program the computer to all of a sudden shift the weight to be, uh, you know, thinking about 
anti-air more than playing footsies so that it degenerates its footsies compared to how well it anti-airs and kind of shift that. There was a game hmm. called Black Hole Assault on the Sega CD, uh, Genesis CD, I think it was called. One of the coolest modes in that game, and it was a secret mode, is that there was the ability to program the AI for one of the robots so that okay. you could set them into battles, like with your other friend's AI programs. And when you okay. look at the, the parameters that were available, it was like, how aggressive should you be at this range and how do this and all this stuff like that. And you programmed it and your AI would do nothing like you programmed it. And like you would set random shit and it would do really well. And then you try setting it into this really intelligent way to do it. And then it just like sat there and like just ate every hit. Like it's really hard to craft the AI for a fighting game. Like it's very different than a lot of other games like MOBAs where it's just like, Hey, I'm just going to program them to run around and just do all this stuff because it, you know, in the end it's, it's not as like super hundred percent interactive the entire time. You know, it's, it's very different. So the biggest experience with the CPU that I actually have, at least in modern fighting games, is in Mortal Kombat 11 and Justice 2, where when you're grinding for stuff in towers, you get items and stuff that way, oh, yeah. new outfits and whatever. And you can actually let the CPU do that. You can let the AI do that, if you want. And so I do do that. Like, I'll be mm -hmm. this computer doing work, and I'll have on the PlayStation on the side, I'll just have the CPU grinding. And, uh, and I'll, I'll watch it sometimes. And when I watch it, it's weird, but it's also interesting in the sense that actually some of the most unique combos that I've seen <laughs> in MK11 and Injustice 2 were combos that I saw the CPU do first, yeah. and mm -hmm. I, there, it's funny to me because one of the complaints about the last couple games is that they haven't been very creative combo-wise, at least for many characters, mm -hmm. and if you watch the CPU, they are freestyling every time, <laughs> every time it's some weird juggle. Yeah. And I think that's it's kind of cool to watch. But you can also make it so that if you want, you can play against other people's AIs and you can set parameters, not to the degree that you were just talking about, uh -huh. but you can say, like, how much of a focus do you want this to be on uh, pressure, on footsies, on anti-airs, on zoning, on runaway. There's, like, these various parameters that you can set. And there's a max to whatever levels and stuff. And sometimes it's interesting. So, like, as I'm making RoboCop, get points for himself <laughs> i maximized runaway and and keep away because robocop shoots guns and it'd be less effective if i was like all right robocop get in there and you know he just would right. lose i tried that to see him and he lost more so it, you know it's interesting a little bit but it's not really the same question as what's it like to play against right. an ai yeah. i can't believe you are programming robocop come on that sounds mm, completely wrong <laughs> Great point, actually. <laughs> no, but I mean, honestly, uh, like I said, people are, are all in there saying that the train the UI based on, you know, machine learning and stuff. But like I said, that means then it'll take a few years before you'll get to a point where you have something that's worth playing. You'll never get that at the release of a game. You know what I mean? I, I do think it'd be kind of cool to have a fighting game AI tournament. And I don't mean the kind that MK has. I mean, like, everybody builds their own AI. And 
it has to be hooked up to a game controller, like a task bot or something, oh. and you have a tournament. I think actually that was super sick. Oh my god, <laughs> that'd be interesting. Okay, okay. Because I was thinking like, I now I want to look up Black Hole Assault, see if I can find it, and then maybe try to bring that into tournaments. You know, have people that'd actually program their their AI. Dude, that would be the Salty Bet Invitational. That would be right. Yeah. <laughs> What an, at this point, ancient reference. Oh, man. All right. Anything else to say about this one? Uh, no. Let's go ahead okay. and take a look at some of these other questions. Yeah, let me know. Well, well, while you're figuring it out, I just wanted to briefly address the question of what is the right way to label frame data, because it's not really as much of a back and forth. Mm -hmm. There are basically two ways to do this, and one is now called the old reckoning, and one is the modern reckoning that pretty much everybody uses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that is that the startup frames include the first active frame of a, of a button. Right. It used to be that the startup frames were differentiated from the active frames. So historically, we would say that in Third Strike, Chun-Li has a two-frame jab. And that sounds really... F well, it is fast, right? But it's... <laughs> in fact, in modern Reckoning a three-frame jab because yep. it's active on the third frame and back in the day we called that a two-frame jab right. because that was the startup and now we call it a three-frame jab because that's the frame that the active frames start on so mm -hmm. it's just a difference uh, of speaking and nowadays almost everybody uses the second reckoning this modern reckoning of what the active frame is on if you prefer you could say that's the like that's i3 that that is to say impact is made on the third frame that's also a common way of doing oh, it it's yeah, been around yeah. for a long time but yeah in general we're talking about which frame is the first active nowadays all right what, what which one of these do you want to talk about well the one thing i just want to add to that is that i personally prefer it the old way because i just like having the frames separated from each other then total frames is not add those through startup active recovery minus one however I know why they went the new way, because that way, if you see a move is minus three, you don't look up moves that are two frames startup. Right. If you want something to link and you're plus three, you don't look up moves that are plus that are two frames to hit. You always have to do this minus one thing. It's easier to understand that, oh, minus seven, I can punish it with a seven active move, you know, a move that's startup in seven. So it's yeah. just, it's that part I understand why they did it so you know that's just the way it is now so yep indeed all right and do you want to talk about any of the rest of these let's take a look here uh do you think cpt should have more slots for competitors from east asia of course because they're so strong or are you more excited about the diversity of players from other regions uh, I'm personally more excited about the diversity from other regions okay okay right, sir. I just it's just a subjective question and I would rather see more players from more spots. Keep in mind, there's like a fan voting or whatever process is involved as well. So if like Tokido doesn't make it by not winning one of these two tournaments that he could enter, right? Like he's gonna get voted in, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Might maybe. Well, let's uh, just say let's say Punk doesn't win one of the West Coast ones. Then yeah then there might actually be a, a, a fan vote between Tokido and Punk, right? Trying to get in there. You well, know. I would rather see more players from different spots. Right. I just think that's cool to see. That's all. Uh, 
I don't... I, I don't know for that question. I'm not sure how I would answer it. <laughs> uh, I do kind of want to address the, uh, the Fantasy Strike one, though. The free-to-play sure. model, which online friends matches are free, but ranked and offline matches are not. Uh, I think that's actually a pretty smart way of doing it. Honestly, mm. I had thought about something like that, maybe making it so that offline was free and ranked is not, or something like that, or even ranked is free, but offline is not, you know, kind of thing. And so they're kind of going this route and, you know, not just characters, but the actual play modes. I think it's a smart idea. And, I, and I'd like to see more games try to go this route and, and experiment with that and see which way works better. Because like I said, I'm not sure if the direction that they took it so that it only online casual matches are free, but nothing else like offline and ranked, you know, between those three, which ones should be free, which ones should be paid, you know, like I'm sure it'll depend on the person, but I'm wondering which one's the most effective. And I'm glad one of the games is trying it so we can start getting some data in there and finding out if this is an effective way to do it. So. Yeah, it's certainly worth the experiment. Oh, wait. So it says it's the other way that you can play offline 1v1 or friend matches for free, but you need to. Oh, wait. You need to pay for friend matches? Rank is free. Invite friends for casual cost. So it cost, you have to pay to in, invite people, but you can, without paying, plan rent. Okay. I guess the person on the question got it backwards then. Okay, I guess okay. so, yeah. Yeah, regardless, like I said, I don't know which I'm one's the right sure offline. I'm pretty sure offline is paid only. Okay. In any case, it doesn't matter to me which one is which. I'm just glad a game is trying it, and we're getting data for this to find out if this is going to work out well for the game. And I think it'd be cool to see more games try this. So instead of necessarily locking out characters, but I mean, I still think they're doing that as well from time to time, right? And characters are free only once in a while. I'm not sure, but it's... I'd have to look up the news again, dude. We talked all about it last yeah, week. It's just, it's just a new model that we need to experiment with. The, F, the fighting games have to try new models because the current model is not working. Uh, in my opinion, I, I really feel like the current model of fighting games with the way ranked works and, you know, paid and season DLC and all this stuff like that is is not working because it is prohibitively expensive to get into a game late. You know, like I wanted to install Soul Calibur on my PC. Now I need to buy that and I have to buy season two. Now, I, if I want Dragon Ball on my mm. Switch, I have to buy that in season one and season two. Like I said, Capcom's the only one, strangely, that has been doing it right, that they have this deals all, for every, every tournament that you put in the code and you get, you know, everything up to that point. Or every two years they release this comprehensive version of the game. I feel like Capcom's been doing it right, interestingly enough, uh, more so than a lot of the other games. So, NRS does yeah. that as well. Everybody's yeah. saying that. All the characters are free to play in Fantasy Strike. Oh, okay, okay, cool, cool. There Just you go. Just to note. Okay. All right, well, you got any other stuff you want to address in 5.5 here? Or uh, no, uh, that's all I've got. Okay, cool. The best fighting game soundtrack is FX Fighter. <laughs> you know what the funniest thing is? I had thought about that question even before this. Like, someone asked me, like, I forgot where it came up. We were just talking about fighting game soundtracks at some point in time. Okay. And, you know, and, and, and Yoko Shimomura's uh, Street Fighter 2 is so, like, catchy and ingrained. Like, it's the most melodic 
of fighting game music because a lot of fighting game music sounds very backgroundish these days in a lot of ways. But the weird mm-hmm. thing about it is, I still prefer the CPS two one versions over the CPS two versions. I clearly like the dirtiness of like Ken's more than uh more than like the the super and super turbos version right <laughs> i yeah. actually really like the original street fighter 2 cps1 soundboard hey, they're all good they're yeah. all good and it's true as well uh, i like this uh big for lil says our genre is pretty damn spoiled and i think that's right yeah we have a lot of games that have really really good soundtracks yeah that's right, because someone. Cool. I was playing Third Strike music on my stream one time, and someone was asking me about what's your favorite Street Fighter soundtrack. Because Third Strike is right up there, and it's funny of because course. when that game first came out, I didn't really like the music, but the more I've listened, so what's interesting about both the Third Strike music. I've actually thought about doing a whole thing on video game music and just talking about this as a topic. To be honest with you, but like. Cool. Um, the reason why Third Strike and Street Fighter 2's music, I think, sounds so good is because both of them are a little bit grittier than the time period that they existed in. And weirdly enough, that makes them more timeless. Like, the fact that Third Strike has this kind of crunchy, dirty sound to it, I think, is one of my favorite things about the soundtrack. It's kind of why I like the Beatles as well. When you listen to the Beatles' music, it doesn't sound like music that's... You know, when you listen to 70s, 60s music, it distinctly sounds like 60s and 70s music. But then when you listen to something like Beatles, like something like I'm Only Sleeping could be played on K-Rock today and it would fit. You know what I mean? It's, it's just really interesting how, how Third Strike and Super Turbo kind of, I'm mean, sorry, not Super Turbo, but the original CPS-1 soundtrack kind of fit into that vein. Raw, raw well, I like one. FX Fighter because it is extremely 90s. <laughs> it couldn't have come from any other decade. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, all right, let's move on here. Game news. Game news. Well, the Xbox Series X games showcase happened. Here's how I wrote it in the run of show. It happened. Do you care? I'm asking you. I heard it was really bad. I heard it was really bad. You didn't watch it? Okay, well, there you go. I guess that's the answer. Uh, I heard it was really bad. Like, the Halo graphics look really bad. In motion, they said it looks better. That's what the defenders are saying. I don't agree with that. You know, but I heard it looked really, really terrible, so... I'm not sure. It looks to me like every single Halo game, but I'm no expert in that. Uh, hey Raph, can I can I talk about you? can I talk about okay. your situation on stream? If you're in the chat, can I talk about your situation? Uh, I just don't know if it's something that you want public or not. Okay, shoutouts to Raph. By the way, another member of the FGC who has uh, fallen victim to COVID nineteen, and uh, one of a, one, a wonderful commentator from the Southwest scene, and so shoutouts to him speedy recovery and hope you uh you know are feeling good hope you are feeling good dude so yeah man uh, uh it's been not i was just about to say i appreciate the subs but i feel like you should be concentrating on yourself right now so thank you <laughs> but also what are you doing yeah but uh i'm glad to feel to hear that you're feeling better okay okay the uh but yeah back to the xbox conference thing uh I, yeah yeah i i didn't see it you were you were a hundred percent spot on with your tweet of course yeah of my, course. my tweet was 
James was in a Tetris commercial, and there was no way that he was awake to see it at the time because it was at like 9 a.m. I think is when it <laughs> began our time in Pacific time. Something about that. Maybe it was even eight, and there was no way that you were awake for that. <laughs> However, what I want to know is you you in that video were mouthing the words to the song. Nobody else was. And you were holding an Xbox controller, a video game pad for the Xbox One, which I think must have happened fewer than 10 times in your life. So what's the story, buddy? So I'm, super, buddy. I'm super angry about this, right? Okay, for one thing, I was holding an Xbox controller. That was required. Okay. That was actually required, so I had to hold an Xbox controller. Felt weird. It was weird. Like it was like all smooth and like not used and stuff. I don't know. It was something weird. It had like that new smell to it too. I don't know. It was uh-huh. kind of weird, yep. you know. No, but the other thing, the reason why I'm mad, and it's not. I felt like you know someone said, "Hey, here's this costume party. Come to the costume party," and then everybody was too embarrassed to wear a costume, and you're the only one who showed up to the party with the costume. Because they said in their that. messages to us, they're like, feel free to dance along and, and sing along to the song if you want to. And I was like, <laughs> part of my language, I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and of so course. I actually sent them. To, so you're supposed to record it on your cell phone, you know, kind of like as a, like a view like that. But it was easier for me to record it at my stream station. It just was, right? Yeah. And they said, record a clip, send it to your play. I sent them two clips. I sent them one version where I was not syncing and I was only lip syncing. And then I sent them a clip where I was literally singing the entire time. Oh, like, man. Well, towards the end. Like, I was actually singing falsetto, hitting the high notes and everything, dude. Like, I was just going in on it. And so I don't know which one they used, obviously, because you can't hear it. But, man, I was so upset that I was the only person singing to that. <laughs> was really upset about it. I was like, come on. I would have expected at least Jonas's wife, Heather, to be singing along with it too, but she didn't even sing along with it. So, Okay, my follow-up is, do you know the rest of the people who were in that commercial as well? I know I a knew lot of people. In there. I know him. I know a okay, lot yeah. of people who are in That's that thing. The first yeah. person who showed up was Alex Pajnatov, the creator of Tetris himself. The second person in there was Joseph, the current CTWC champion. Third person who showed up in there was Hank Rogers, who was the lawyer who got Tetris into America and was the original CEO of the Tetris company, who has now passed it down to Maya Rogers, his daughter, who was also in the video with her baby girl in there, and it was adorable. Uh, wow. Jonas was in there. Trey Harrison, the guy who run, who does a lot of the CTWC, was in there. Uh, Sharky, one of the younger players, was in there. A uh, whole bunch of people were in there from like the CTWC scene and stuff. So I, I recognized a lot of the people that were in there. So yeah, there you well, go. Well, well, well. And 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 that was and pretty cool. I have my video where I sang it. I played it on the Generation Spacing podcast. I don't know if you actually want me to play it here. That's so, awesome. Uh, so you can hear me singing. All right. But That's okay. the one thing I will say, though, is Eris's clip was the best. Someone sent me a link to Eris's clip of watching the Xbox conference. And he's sitting there okay. watching it. And when Alex Pashatov shows up, he's like, oh, look. A game where the old people figure out how to play the internet, <laughs> you know, and like he's like laughing because he has no idea what it is, and so he's like yeah. kind of making fun of it as it's going. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm super hyped for this game or whatever." And then I show up on the screen briefly. Who's like, "Is that James Chen?" He's like, "Is that James Chen?" And then I'm gone. He's like, "Oh, is that? J- Am I being a bigot?" <laughs> 
<laughs> he was like, is that you? Am I being a bigot? Oh, God. Oh, no. uh, 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 am I a bigot now? And then, like, when towards the end, when I show up again, he's like, yeah, see? Look, that is James Chen, right? And then, like, he, like, slides it over because his face is covering me because I'm in the corner. So he moves it. He's like, that is James Chen. He's like, oh, thank God, it's James Chen. I was so scared I was going to be a bigot. I should have thought about it before I said it. <laughs> oh, wow. I was laughing so hard, dude. Oh, my God. It's so good. Ugh. Eris is the best. Well, there's a Tetris game coming out for the new Xbox. Yeah, I mean, I watched it. I watched the whole thing. <laughs> I definitely checked out for parts of it because I'm not on board for Halo. I'm just not interested. Yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't tell you whether it looked good or not. I mean, I saw it, but it looks like a Halo game to me. And I don't know what else to say. I hope people enjoy it. Uh, I think there were a couple of games that I thought looked interesting. For example, Forza Motorsport. Nah, I thought the gunk looked cool. Um, you know, I mean, I want a little bit of a weirder set of games. Um, let's see. I thought Everwild looked pretty cool. God, I wish oh, I could jump in. Looked interesting. There were definitely some in here. It was cool that Psychonauts had Jack Black singing the, the song for it. Oh, there so you go. That was, they did, yeah. Hey, um, Cone, can you put the link in the chat, actually? Because he's the cool. one who texted it to me, so I want to see it. The Eris clip. I just want to see the Eris clip, so. <laughs> I just want to play it on the stream. But keep going, keep going, sorry. Like with the PS5, what I was happy about was that, yes, there are some games that are going super realistic because you can do that even better now in this new console. But I was really happy that at the same time, there were a bunch of games that weren't about that. There were a bunch of games that instead were like, here's a weird art style. Here's a funky concept. Yes. Uh -huh, a unique uh -huh. gameplay idea. And that's what I want. So, yes, you know, agreed, I didn't agreed. hate it. I thought it was okay. I'm Look, I'll buy whichever of the consoles has more fighting games. That's, to me, I mean, honestly, that's what it's going to come down to. Mm -hmm. And I don't really care which one that's going to be. I'll get it. I mean, for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's seem fine to me i don't know yeah. i mean honestly for you that probably means you're not even going to get a console because i can't imagine any of these games not coming out on pc anymore i hope that's true i hope that they you just know, come out on pc I, well that they all do come out on right, pc right. i really don't think so here's the eris clip just so you guys can watch this because i love eris and he just makes me laugh so i'm just gonna play this for you guys here he's a funny guy he's one of those guys who has a voice that makes you laugh by itself yeah right <laughs> He doesn't have to be telling a joke. You're just laughing li listening to him in the first place. Oh, wait. Sorry, an ad has to play first. I should let the ad go through to support Eris, but... Nah. <laughs> See what I'm talking about? Yeah. He hasn't told a single joke yet. It's already hilarious. What the hell is that's Green oh, Tea. That's Mizuguchi, the guy who created the game. Controller. I don't know who those are. I've been waiting That's this. Ken Lob, right? There was Ken Lob. There's yeah. Maya Rogers. There's Sharky. There's Jonas and his wife. So. I'm hype about this one. Is that James Chen? Was that James Chen? I don't mean to be a bigot or anything. Is that really James Chen? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Yeah. I think it could have actually been James Chen. He's a Tetris champion. That is James Chen, isn't it? Isn't that James Chen on the bottom? Oh, you can't see him. Oh, fuck. 
That guy right there on the bottom right. I think it is him. I'm not being a bigot. Thankfully, for a second I was worried. <laughs> is it him? Still not know. Well, James Chen? <laughs> dude, oh, I was really so concerned for a second when I said that. Dude, you should have verified before you said it out loud. <laughs> They're gonna call you a bigot again. That was James Chen. He's a Tetris master. Cool. <laughs> oh god, Eris is the best, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, there you go. <laughs> Most of the time, so when, when you're watching him on stream, right, like, he is there to be funny, and he's got a, a hilarious voice, so it makes total sense. It's just, like, really funny to watch. Mm -hmm. But it's also really funny, in a way, to have a conversation with Eris that's not at all joked, right? Not that we're, like, being super serious, but, like, I'll see him at an event. We'll be like, hey, man, how's it going? Oh, I'm good lately. Oh, what's new with you? Oh, you know, we're okay. And the whole time, in my mind, I'm like, if this guy says another word, I'm going to crack up. None of this is funny at all. But just listening to him by itself is genius. Right. And even his regular, like, hey, man, how's it going voice is so good. Yep. It's 100% true. It's so true. Which is why I'm so glad he's found success on Twitch, to be honest with you, because yeah. I feel like he deserves a lot. Because he's just such a great personality that way, you know. Obviously, some people are going to try to bring up whatever history, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean... Well, he hasn't got history, but he has... Uh, he's grown a lot. He's grown a lot. Yeah. And, and like I said, I mean... Great the, example of that. The whole entire time, you know, he's been a pretty good person. So, I'm really happy for him. I, I, I love Eris as much as possible, so... Um, but yeah, All so right. just to clarify, that is not a new game coming out. That is an enhancement oh. to Tetris Effect, which is, like I said, Mizuguchi was in there, uh, who created Res, Luminous, Meteos, all those games, and he made Tetris Effect, um... I met him at the uh, Classic Tetris World Championships two years ago, which was one of the highlights of my life. Then I met Alexei Pajanov the next year, which was like fucking, oh my God, like crazy. But, um, you know, he's, he's making a, 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 an enhancement. There was no multiplayer mode in Tetris Effect, so he's creating mm -hmm. a uh, multiplayer mode. It's gonna, I think it's going to debut on Xbox One, uh, on the Xbox whatever next thing is. Uh, first, yeah. and then eventually will show up on everything else. So, just like Cuphead is on PlayStation today, did you hear that? Is that so? Yeah, Cuphead came out on PlayStation today, just as a surprise. Like nobody knew that it was happening. So I did not know that. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, a couple of small things about games. One is if you can put this up on the screen, that'd be nice. You go into the little run, run a show there. Yeah. The fighting game sales. There's some good sales going on. Those are for BB Tag, Guilty Gear Extra Rev 2, Fantasy Strike is free now, of course, DOA 6 as well. The City is on sale, uh, Rev 1 is on sale, SF 30th is on sale as well, so check out those games. Sorry, I didn't get it on there because I was trying to find the link it's, to the tweet, it, but... It's, don't even worry about it at this point, that's no, okay. And you... then, don't, yeah, that's fine, I'll put it up on the YouTube, but uh, okay. it's okay. Wait, there we go. Yay! Here, very briefly. Get it? Hey, huzzah. Yeah. 
I should just look for your cursor in the Google Doc. I don't know why I don't think about that. <laughs> just look idea. for your cursor to find which link I need to go to. In other news, Riot Games put out a tweet in which they talk about Project L, which is their coming fighting game, of course. And they're looking for new team members. And so they had a little ad where they were like, hey, we're not going entirely dark. We need more people involved. And if you'd like to be involved, here's how to do it. And so I'll put that in the chat as well. I'm sure people have seen it, but I'll put this in the chat just in case. And I'll put it on the YouTube in the description as well. Uh, in that video, I thought it was nice because on the one hand, they are looking for people who like fighting games, but they also say that you don't need to be a pro, which I think is cool. Um, while they were looking at... Pat the Flip and Edma. <laughs> and Edma, which is great. Uh, but but really, I mean, I, I like that they mentioned the word community like probably four or five times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they're clearly thinking about that a lot. I think one of the issues that they have to work or at least figure out how to handle is that there will be a lot of people who are on the Riot side who are playing League right now, maybe Valorant even who like Riot Games, and they'll try out this game, but there are also a lot of people in the FGC who, like, kind of view Riot like a little askance, you know? Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. not quite sure they can trust them. So I think that they really have to make clear that they are going to do this in a community way. Right. And I thought that ad made that apparent, tried to make it apparent at least. And I think that's a good way to handle it. Uh, I mean, a lot of people from conversations that I've been having you know, a lot of people are saying they're just going to do the same thing they do with everything else like they're doing with Valorant right now, which is, yeah, community, go community, go community. Let the community build up everything for two years and then come in and sweep up everything after it's all built up. And so that's what I, I heard some people concerned about, that that might actually happen, that they'd be like, yeah, community will be at Evo, will be at everything, and then it becomes this big game, and they're like, okay, now you, we have to be by ourselves, and now you have to, yeah. do, uh, you know, like, that could it's happen. A, it's so. a concern, of course. Yeah, I don't want to underplay that. I, yeah. I agree with you. I think that's certainly a concern. So One way for them to try to address that is to not do it and take, make it obvious that that's not going to happen right. but maybe I mean, it will happen I don't know. one I don't of the one of the other tough things in there as well is that you know when you actually click on the link don't eat your brother's fur jasmine come on uh the the problem is like if you actually uh look click on the link so far all the positions there are for like artistic positions you know, yeah. which is fine because there's a lot of artists in the fighting game community. But, you know, I, yeah. the way that Tom was talking about it in the video, I suspect there's going to be a lot more positions opening up throughout time. So what I would say is keep looking at the link, keep an update on it in case since there's something there that you'd want to do, you know. So uh, just keep an eye out. I think it'll be cool. Just looking through the picture on that site, on that link, that has a picture of all the people involved. I recognize probably 10 of them, even some of them I've known forever. Edma I've known for like almost two decades. Right. But, um, and of course, uh, Cannons, but some of them I don't actually know their names, but like I've seen them around. So uh, there's a lot of people involved who, uh, who, who are FGC heads. I think it's great. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right, we are moving on now to community news. So I mentioned earlier that we were going to talk about a hungry box, and the context in that case was him 
not winning these two events. It was he got seventh place in one of them, and he got thirteenth in the other. And he put a YouTube video up yesterday or the day before, in which he talks about how he may retire from melee from com from competing in that game. Gave a bunch of reasons. It's worth a watch. So in my, short, my cats were catting. Would say that he recognizes he hasn't done as well in online competitions. He finds it hard to have the same level of dedication, finds it hard to put in the same kind of time and effort that it takes. He is tired of the fact that he, he plays a villain character, and yeah. he gets treated as a villain uh, as well. And in Ultimate, Jigglypuff, the same character, is not the villain, right? Jigglypuff's a hero character in that game, is the way he phrased it. People are rooting for Jigglypuff. And he's found that in Ultimate and on his stream and YouTube and stuff, people actually like him, is what he was saying. Like, it's his phrasing of it was so sad. It was like, <laughs> I actually have a group of people who love me. Um, and um, I think that he really likes that. And it feels like something that's so different uh, compared to how Melee has gone for him. Yeah. Um, he also said that the amount of money that he can win and the good feelings as well that he can get playing Melee may no longer be outweighed by or may now be outweighed by the crap that he gets uh, yeah. in doing it. And he enjoys entertaining more than competing because it's exciting and he doesn't know what's going to happen, whereas in games, it's much more... Um, it's less predictable. I mean, you're not going to know whether you're going to win or lose, but you will put in so much more time to having a, an intended outcome in situations, right. and whereas in entertainment, it's a lot more freeform. Right. So he's thinking about getting out of the melee game. And We're talking know, about Hungrybox, yes. Look, he's gotten death threats before and stuff like that for his Jigglypuff play and stuff. And, you know, I don't blame him, to be honest with you. It's just one of those things that after a while you just get kind of get tired of, right? I mean, you're playing, you're winning with a character that very few other players have any success with. And everybody's just sitting there yelling at you and getting mad and they want to ban your character because it's boring and whatever. And like for us fighting game players, I don't know, I think it's super fun to watch Jigglypuff play because like super air footsies and stuff. And it's, it's just really fascinating and everything. And, you know, honestly, you know, not playing locally kind of changes things a lot, too. I'm sure he doesn't feel the excitement of the crowd. He can't yeah, get, he mentioned it, yeah. yeah, he can't get hit by crabs anymore. You know, it's just like, it's not quite the same thing, you know, when you're playing at home. And, you know, I think he, yeah. I can kind of see that. And especially if what you said, he plays in Ultimate and he's kind of considered a hero in that one now? Or... Well, his character is, and he's yeah. an underdog, right? So, right? so rather than coming from the situation of having all the expectations in the world, and if you get second, if he gets second in that game in Melee, uh -huh. that's a loss. That's not a congratulations, you got second. That's right. you screwed up, you're washed up for yeah. him because the expectations are so high. Whereas in Ultimate, he can play and he and he, what he says, he feels like he can go two and two and enjoy himself. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, that's uh, what it's about, especially if you now have a stream and YouTube channel that are doing well and making money and maybe the, the impetus to compete, if there were financial concerns involved, maybe seems like not as much. Right. So uh, it, it makes sense to me. And it, it brings to mind when Armada said much the same. This is, of course, in context mm -hmm. of uh, a little different now because this is part of the issue is that this is all online, and maybe we'll see what HBox says when things are back to offline. For Armada, that wasn't an issue, but there were similar things of 
can I put as much time and effort into this game? Like, I've been at the top, now the expectations are so high, I've done what I wanted to do, like, all these sort of things. And Zero had some of the same issues, right? So, I, it seems like that's a, a thing that people who are at the very top of the game can go through, and, and I haven't been there, right? It's not something I've personally experienced, but it makes sense to me. It's It's interesting, because it really shows how, in a weird way, having stronger parity in your game actually kind of makes things a little bit more easy to deal with because mm -hmm. the gods in melee they're all the ones that are kind of like tired of this and same with zero who basically was undefeated you know having that kind of expectation and having that kind of uh jazz nathan stop it stop it <sighs> having that kind of expectation uh is hurt is hard you know, so a lot of times when people talk about how in Street Fighter V, like, you have so many good players and anyone can win and anyone can lose at any point in time, you know. I mean, a good example, you know, and again, I, I forgot I wanted to mention this a little bit during the Street Fighter V CPT Asia thing. You know, for everybody that, you know, was trying to clown on Fudo's wife, by the way, for being very emotional after Fudo's loss, you know, grow up. To yeah. <laughs> grow the fuck up, okay? I'm sorry people have emotions. Like, that's fine. Yeah, like, that was great. That was such a good video. Dude, let I, that... I, I heard that her husband lost, but it's so cool that she's it's so supportive of it. Yeah. Right, exactly, dude. Or are you guys just all jealous, you know? I mean, seriously, like... Well, I, I would say I think this is also an instance of actually almost nobody clowning on it, but, like, two people doing it. And you sort of see those in the Twitter replies because that's what the um, engagement is with. Or people are responding to these people who are being morons about it. Right. But I think actually almost everybody thinks it's good. I saw a few. I saw quite a few people clowning on it. I saw a few people in that thread, so unfortunately. I saw a few in that thread as well, but I also saw everybody. Yeah saying they were wrong and that I didn't see anybody else saying it. So yeah. I don't know. Anyway, Regardless, the my point, point the point is yeah. though that, you know, you saw that how different of kind of a reaction that Fudo had, right? After he lost, he was like, uh and then he was also trying to console Yuka and everything, you know, like he doesn't have that same kind of pressure, I feel like, on him that a hungry box or an armada or a zero have on them. You know, that if they don't do well. It's just like, and again, that's kind of one of the scariest things about, you know, the gods mentality about that kind of worship and, and, and that kind of expectations that it really like, is it fun? Do you only keep doing this just because people expect you to win kind of thing? You know, Jonas, the, the, the CTWC champion actually told me that, you know, at one point he had considered retiring and then the year that Joseph beat him was almost kind of like a relief. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, okay. And it made him want to play harder, but now it was more like, I want to get back into it and try to keep up. And it wasn't like, oh, I got to win again, you know, kind of thing like this. So it's, 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 it's kind of hard, I think, to have that kind of pressure put on yourself. And especially if you're someone like Hungrybox, where half the people, if you lose, are going to be disappointed, and then half the people, if you lose, are going to just celebrate like the, the world is like, you know, has, yeah, has like... That people celebrate that. Yeah, like other way. it's lose lose situation kind of for him, and so you know it's it's hard for him. I think 
I think he's in that kind of position because, especially because half the people just like dunk on his character all day and. One hundred percent. Yeah, he mentioned that. That's certainly part of it. Yeah. Especially because they were talking about banning the character. They're basically talking about removing Hungry Box from melee completely, banning Jigglypuff. That was. I mean, that was a serious conversation. I know that was at one point. So. Well, in fact, he mentioned that he may not want to play Jigglypuff anymore. So maybe if he enters majors, he would do it with a secondary. Ah, uh, okay, so, okay. Again, I, I think there's... It seems like there's multiple things going on, right? right? That There's him not wanting to deal with crap anymore, which I get. Also online play, even if it's rollback, is never going to be as good as offline play. Like, I think there's a few things happening. So. Right. Anyway, we'll see what he does. Yeah, well, you know what he should just do? He should just play... Fox, because apparently Fox is the greatest character and most fair and balanced and amazing, not completely boring, that can do everything character in the game, you know, kind of situation. So. I agree with you, James. <laughs> Characters should have first frame invincible moves in the context of that game. That makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of Melee, I think this is another cool thing to talk about okay. in terms of community news. Brian F. and Young Woff are doing a cool crossover feature. So Brian F. is a strong Street Fighter V player. Woff is a strong Melee player. And they're, like, teaching each other how to play each other's games. Oh, cool. On stream. Yeah, they started that yesterday or the day before. I forget when I was watching it. But I was there watching it, and it was very interesting. Um, Brian has watched a lot of Melee, and so he knows the terms. But he's never done the thing with uh -huh. your hands. That it's scored for, of course, as he says, it feels really different, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. he's trying to make that happen. He's trying to learn stuff. He's trying to teach Street Fighter Five as well. So I think it's really cool. It's like a, it's like a, a, a sort of trade of experiences and of trying to share it with other people. And they're both co-streaming at the same time. I think that was really cool. It was really fun to watch. I, I, uh, I enjoyed checking that out. And I'm just yeah, really, I'm just really excited and hopefully seeing you know Brian F. I hope he talks about how freaking execution heavy melee is and how hard oh, yeah. that game is to play sitting there shuffling all he day was, and stuff so he was like, talking about it yeah, yeah. He, talk, he talked a lot about it yeah There's... and what was interesting too is that WAP's perspective was that street fighter is in its own way executionally difficult yeah so i mean a lot of people in the smash scene have also had experience maybe not at a high level but have had experience playing street fighter marvel kof like you know a little bit at least yeah yeah, yeah. uh-huh and, uh, and I think that's his experience as well. But he did say that for a lot of people in that scene, the idea of doing quarter circles, right. yeah, 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 half yeah. circles, dragon punches, charge motions, 360s, all that sort of stuff feels very foreign. Whereas tapping a button very slightly so that you only get a short hop or tapping the, the control stick very exactly, precisely direct for the right <laughs> angle of the like. That stuff feels natural because they've been doing it for a long time. And this is just different forms yeah. of execution, but that they, they're not necessarily easy for the other one to learn. I mean, I guess what I'm just trying to state is that since we're more of an FGC audience than a Smash audience, I hate the fact that people think Smash is easy to play. You know, so yeah. I, I kind of bring it up more as a, look, Smash Melee might be one of the most executionally difficult fighting games on the market right now that is still being played. Like, I've, I've always said that in NBC2 yeah. might be, like, the two hardest execution fighting games that exist right now. It was definitely funny watching Brian learn how to uh, do do basic stuff. 
I'm no pro in melee, but like uh, I do know the basics of wave dashing and stuff like that. I've right, done that right, stuff right. In, in the past, and it was funny to watch him do it. And you know, he's he's getting the hang of it as they're doing it. And, but he was like, you know, I've I've done wave dashing in Marvel Three. He plays Marvel Three. Mm-hmm. But in Marvel Three, if you get wave dashing wrong, you don't kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you may you may get killed. Right. Your uh, your movement, but you're not gonna actually fall off a cliff and die. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture Luigi going. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! I mean, like, freaking, like one of the things that was hard for me to even grasp playing Smash Brothers, even though I knew it, but like my brain won't process it, is like doing moves in the air, and then in the middle of your move attacking, you can start fast falling in the middle of the attack. You know, like. Because in fighting games, it's all very, you either cancel into something or it's one thing happens and then you do the next thing. But like, this one is like, let me short hop, attack, fast fall, L cancel when I hit the ground. You know, it's like, what There's the? a lot going on. Yeah, but then again, one of my favorite things that I ever saw was that one player, it was at B5, I think it was, that I saw the one player playing Marvel doing Mag Rom Infinite. And then he went mm. to go play CVS 2. He's like, man, I don't know how people combo into supers. That shit's so hard compared to MVC 2, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? <laughs> yep. It's just what you're used to, man. It's just what you're used to. In our arcade back in college, I knew a guy who played Geef, and he would hit 360s every time. Uh-huh. No big deal. He could do 720s for super, right? Uh-huh. And then we would play third strike, and for him to do short, short super was, like, impossible. <laughs> like the, the speed of having to input quarter circle forward, quarter circle forward while the crouching shorts are yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. you just never got it. So, that's yeah, so no, that's funny. true. Different that's skills. Funny. <laughs> All right. Check them out. Not as great news, unfortunately, we didn't cover this last week, but Spinning Beat, a.k.a. Carpet, a.k.a. William Liu, passed away from pneumonia yeah. at only 37 years old uh, earlier this month. He was a member of the Samurai Showdown community here in SoCal. Yeah, he was, I mean, just from all the stuff that I've been seeing about it, uh, Andy OCR's wife, uh, Angela, Angela Pickles, uh, has been tweeting a lot about it, and uh you know, talking about it and all, all the stuff that they've been saying about uh, William. I mean, it sounds like he was a wonderful person. And, yeah, you know, one of the things that struck me really hard and made me very emotional was that uh, their family's response to the outpouring of love from the FGC community, you know, the fighting game community, uh, they were just like blown away by the support and love that he had. And, you know, they were so happy that he found a family and a group of friends that really resonated with him, you know, and uh, they were very thankful to to the FGC, very similar to when Shiza passed away as well. You know, their yeah. Shiza's family was just blown away by the community and the, the family and the outpouring of love from the fighting game community. So, you know... I know in the past few months we've been talking about a lot of the bad sides of the fighting game community, but there are definitely these very, very solid sides. And like I said, once you find that group and once you find that niche and you find your friends in the fighting game community, it's, I I just talked about this on Chenzor community is such an important part of the fighting game community. (laughs) I mean, it sounds silly to say that, but it's, it's so important. And, uh, 
you know, shout outs to William, his family, condolences to them. And, uh, you know, I'm sad I never really got to meet him uh, or, or know him very well. But, you know, yeah. he's family just by association. So, yeah. Very sad news. Um, there was other sad news, unfortunately. Uh, Katana Prime's mother passed away from COVID. Um, his, she was young, man. She was 53 years old. You know, I'm and less I'm less than a decade younger than that, dude. I know. It's not too far off. I mean, and even for me, it's only 15 years. It's not so far yeah. off. So it's, you know, that's very hard news, very sad news, very sorry for him. His little sister as well has COVID. She is, uh, she has sickle cell anemia um, as an existing condition. So I, man, wish the best of luck for that. Um, additionally, AD Solo's dad passed away. Uh another member of the nrs scene so there's a lot of gnarly stuff going around yeah, i know i know somebody else in the fgc whose aunt passed away as well so you know it's from COVID, and so i mean look yeah. I, I put out the tweet because i put out the angry tweet before and i try the nicer tweet regardless of what, how it's worded just start wearing masks people please yeah. please 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 like i said well, in the tweet if you are one of the people who can afford to think it's a hoax or that you think your rights are being, your freedoms are being challenged by being forced to wear a mask. It just means you're lucky enough to not have one of the one million people who have been affected by COVID or the 150,000 people, was it 15,000 people who have passed away? God, I... Almost 150. Yeah, it is yeah, 150. 145 God, or so right now. God, the so. number was so big. Like, my brain couldn't even want to believe that, that it was 150. But, yeah, if you're one of those people who who can think that you can just not wear a mask because this is not real or it's not that terrible, it just means you haven't been struck by it yet. And, you know, just like, you know, people say, don't install uh, an alarm system in your home after you get robbed, you know, kind of situation like... Don't sit here and think that this is all not happening just because it happens to you. There's those tweets out there of those people like, I don't care about masks. And then they literally like are tweeting like this COVID is the worst thing ever. And then they die like two days later, you know, like. Those are very sad. Yeah, exactly. Those are very sad. And, and the worst part about it is if it's not you who dies and it's someone else you love who dies, you have to live with that and knowing that you kind of played a part in that. You know, like, don't have to wait for that to happen to get your brain into trying to quell this thing and, and, and really fight this thing. We can actually get it down in, like, weeks. We could have a Christmas back if we actually take care and do this properly, but don't make this a bipartisan issue. Don't make this one of those things, you know? Just like, do what's necessary yeah. to, to help us get out of this, please. Yeah. Don't, don't make it a partisan issue, Ian. Yeah, it, yeah, it's unfortunately become one. We certainly could have solved it, and it's true that we could solve it before Thanksgiving. It's possible. That would take a lot of resources, but we are, capable of that it doesn't seem like it's going that way so uh you know from from our perspective here we're doing all we can do which is continue to isolate ourselves as much as possible 
we're still doing that. You know, my wife and I, whenever we go outside, we have the little um, key hanger right next to the door. You grab your keys on the way out. Now we also have the masks on. We hang the right. mask right there. Oh, and whenever we go outside, we wear the mask, and we don't go outside that often. So we're just... I hope that we fix it, but I think at this point we are resolved to living like this for the next who knows how long. Yeah. Foreseeable future. I mean, so. someone, very, uh, very hard here. Someone pointed out to me that since World War II, like after World War II, 70 years ago, almost twice as many people have died from all the wars that we've been in, including the Korean War, the Vietnam War, you know. Compared that, to all. Yeah, compared to COVID. Twice as many people have died of COVID than the wars right. of, that the Americans haven't been involved in for the last 70 years. Yeah, and we're in a lot of wars. Yeah. Which is also not great. It's. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with this. In LA, we're talking about shutting down all the way again. Mm hmm. Let's see. All right. I believe that's all I got. There's other news, but I don't know that it's real or not. So we'll find out to say. We'll, uh, we'll wait until next week to okay, talk about it. Okay, no problem, no problem. Upcoming this weekend, CPT Online Central America. Yes. So that will, of course, be on the Capcom Fighters, Twitch, and YouTube. And Central America, I think this is the first time there, there's been a Central America. There's been, like, Latin American stuff before, but they have separated out a little bit more time. So this is, well, literally Central America, plus the Caribbean, plus Mexico. Okay. Uh, okay. So that's uh, still a pretty big geographic region, but certainly much smaller than it's been in the past. And hopefully it'll be good. There's a lot of strong players in this. Very strong scene in the Dominican Republic, of course. Very strong scene in Puerto Rico. Mexico's got great players. There's great players in Panama and all over the place. So check it out. And then that's all I got. Okay. Um, hey. Oh, I know you've been playing a ton of Rocket League. Tubaware has gotten so, you on that, yeah. right? I have been playing Rocket League with Tubaware and Keats and Goomba and several other people. Yeah, it's a super fun game. They have now lowered it to $5. It was $30 like a week ago. They have now lowered it to, I think, $10 on Steam and $5 on on um, Origin. And now on Xbox, it's free to play. So they're sorry, clearly Ro headed in that mode. Rocket Arena. Rocket Arena. Sorry. My bad. My bad. Did I say Rocket League? I think I did, actually. Oh, did you yeah. or did I? Oh, okay. Okay. I don't remember now, but I think I did say Rocket League. No, it's Rocket Arena, of course. It's really fun. They just put out a whole big patch at the official start of Season 1. There's a new character out who seems really interesting. There's some very slight balance changes. They're really conservative with it, which I think is the right call for a good game, uh, a good new game. And I'm really enjoying it. That's been a lot of fun. And fun, too, to just hang out and play with friends and, you know, talk while we're doing that. It's just, like, a fun experience. I'm no pro at all when it comes to shooting games. So for me, it's just, like, an experience of, like, hanging out, playing games, Nice yeah. thing about that as well is that games are like maximum like six or seven minutes long. They're pretty <laughs> short. So you can hop in and almost play like fighting game yeah. length of times. Like discrete moments, right? Where right. you can, there's like obvious moments to quit. I, I really enjoy it so far. I mean, if it's only $5, like I haven't gotten into it. TubaWare has been trying to get me to play it as well. But it was $30 and I was just like, I can't really pay $30 for a game that might make me sick. 
you know. <laughs> but uh, well, hey, you have Xbox One, man. It's free. Try it out. Is it free on Xbox One? On Xbox, it's free right now. Is it yep. crossplay as well? It is crossplay. But then I wouldn't be able to keyboard and mouse, right? Which would probably be better for me. So I don't know how it works on Xbox, but you probably could do keyboard and mouse. I'm not sure if it requires a separate. Yeah keyboard and mouse that you have to buy or not though i don't know how it works on that thing i would probably just grab it on steam anyway because it's, it's like you said five dollars in any case so it's ten dollars on steam but five dollars on origin oh really oh okay well then i'll have to think about it so <laughs> but it also might just turn into free to play like next week who knows okay so, okay yeah, i'll see i'll see what what they say about it so because yeah so i know yeah. like with splatoon because it's third person it didn't make me as dizzy but when I watched Twitch footage of Rocket Arena, it's like, you know, like you're panning everywhere and like that. Yeah, yeah, like totally, yeah. That, yes, it's right. a lot different than Splatoon is, you know. Splatoon, you're like, huh? Huh? You know what I mean? Like less so than like, because you're looking up and down because people are above you and getting knocked out this way. You get launched yeah, and you got to yeah. look in that direction and all that stuff like that. So... We'll see. We'll see. Hey James, I beat Twitch. Did you finish all the, the the accomplishments or something, the trophies or something? No, no. I mean, in the sense that I streamed using public domain <laughs> yeah. musical works from pre nineteen twenty five, which by law must be in the public domain at this point. Uh huh. And although the sound recordings are a little separate different category i tried to use sound recordings that seemed like they were orphan works whatever mm -hmm. it's legal talk um and so i tried to do my best uh job at it and twitch flagged it anyway saying that they had the rights or whatever of their course. content system had the rights to we did this before right before. we did it before when we tried to play jazz music in the background i think that was on youtube that we got busted oh okay okay but on Twitch, they're being more active about it. And so I challenged it. I said, you guys, I do have the rights. The way that they frame it when you're challenging a copyright strike there mm -hmm. is not what I would want it to be. It's There's no option for public domain. There's no option to say this is in the public domain. You have to say that you have the rights to do it. It's oh, like not actually a technical term. But okay. I, I said that, and now it's unmuted. So you can go watch the VOD of me playing to early 1920s Yo, jazz damn. time and blues and it's all there so. nice right. nice you took out twitch. Nice work. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna be continuing to do this so tomorrow morning i'm making wednesday morning my day to play on the silent film uh stream layout and i just want to make that a predictable time so that people who are maybe hard of hearing or who like that style that format can just watch Wednesday morning, so yeah. it will be tomorrow. But I'll have the same playlist, and we'll see if the same issue happens. It is to say, like, have they actually changed anything about how their content system works? I doubt it. Or have they instead just said, okay, in this instance, it's okay. It's right. more likely. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that idea and trying to make streams more accessible for deaf, you know, or hard of hearing viewers, I thought was a great idea. I may even try, you said you got the idea from somebody else to use that website with the speech-to-text thing? Yeah, Reddit Street Fighter does it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that sounds like a great idea. It's something that I've considered trying to maybe put in my streams as well, just so people, yeah, people can hear it as well. So People can yep. read it as well, I should say. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't work perfectly, but what's funny is that it gets 
things wrong sometimes that are like in the middle of sentences, normal words in the middle of sentences, but it nails proper nouns. So as an example, huh. it knows every video game character, right? So when I said, does it know how to spell the name Aaron? It said A-A-R-O-N, uh-huh. or it said E-R-I-N, and then I say, do you know who Aaron Black is? And it said E-R-R-O-N Black. It nailed it. It nailed it. So it got it got all of those right. Do you know who Shao Kahn is? Yes. Who, can you spell Kotal Kahn? Yes. Do you know Kami? And it said C-A-M-I. And I said, what about Kami White? And it said C-A-M-M-Y White. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> So I mean, it, it has all these like weird esoteric things, yeah. and sometimes it'll just get sentences wrong. So yeah, I, I mean, know. it's 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 the whole concept of uh, like the machine learning. No, it, that... got, it got Ling Xiaoyu. It did. It actually did. Did it really? Yeah, it did. It really did. So, like yeah. I said, it's yeah. machine learning, right? Like, for example, at one point in time, I went to Google Translate because I wanted to know the literal translation of Dai Makai Mura, which is Ghost and Goblins in uh japanese which is the name of the game in japanese so i typed okay. dai makamura and it translated into ghost and goblins like it translated into the english title of the same game instead of telling me what the words were actually supposed to be translated I to uh-huh. so i was like huh so i'm sure they've kind of done similar things with like machine learning and stuff just to figure out uh how that works so yeah, I figure it's just got like spiders crawling everywhere on the web. And yeah, but I mean, then info. you say, "Excuse me, will I kiss the sky?" And then you know, <laughs> that's where it's gonna go wrong. That's where it's gonna go wrong. So, what's funny with this thing too is that sometimes it will just miss entire words. Like I'll just say a sentence and it will not be paying attention. Hmm. So I, it seems inconsistent. I don't know. So don't expect it to be fantastic, but it is. It's fun and. I didn't expect this, but it actually ends up also being really fun, I think, for viewers to, like, see what it's what it's saying and try to, like, <laughs> interpret it. Like, what do I mean? Like, I think that's kind of fun to watch as well. Oh, uh, man. Anyway, that'll be tomorrow. Okay, okay. What are you up to? Uh, new season of Teppin is coming out. They finally revealed the, the changes that are coming up to all the cards. And uh, some interesting changes, so... I'm actually really tired of fighting nothing but zero Rakohas right now in ladder, and it's super frustrating and boring. But uh, Rakoha is going to get slightly nerfed. I mean, I'm kind of in that I hate it position so that I want it more nerfed. It's probably just right, uh, to be honest with you. But, I mean, as with anything, there's some interesting changes. One of my favorite shells right now, the Zombie Rush shell, is going to get pretty bodied pretty badly. But it's opening up another uh, shell that might actually be super interesting. Because <laughs> the zombie okay. rush mentality was, let's create all these three cost units that when they die, they give you one MP because there's a bunch of them in black. And then there's a card called Hatred Reborn that brings back any sort, any three MP cost units or less that are in your graveyard. So you bring them back, and if they die again, they still give you 1 MP, but then they still have the ability to grow or do any of these other crazy things that they have associated with them. Well, they're nerfing Hatred Reborn now so that when it brings a card back, it seals it. So it loses all of the power that it gets. So you're just bringing back chump blockers. You're just bringing back meat shields. However, there is one card that they introduced this season that is a 3-cost that's super buff for green, but has a MP deficit. 
instead of MP boost like green has, it has an MP nerf of 20%. And it's a three cost card. So it's like, here's a four eight card for three cost, but now you're nerfing your MP boost. And so for that's the most, yeah, a lot of times people were like, oh, well, that's not a problem because then you just put another card with an MP boost on there. You counter it out, you're normal, whatever. Now you just play Hatred Reborn and it brings it back and it seals the nerf. So you're actually going to bring the card back in at a stronger strength. That's so awesome. that's what everybody's going to try to build now. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, man. I like, I like that. That's cool. Yeah, the Shuriken scrimmages are still happening. I'll probably run one this weekend uh, again. So uh, I, I should be able to make it this weekend. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't ask you last time because I announced it the day before, and I was like, you know what? It's too last second, and I just don't want to do that to him. So, uh, but um, I will uh, be running it again. I haven't been getting them up to YouTube very fast. My my editor is gone. <laughs> Uh, I don't have an editor anymore. I have someone else who might be able to do it, but a lot of the things that I'm editing are very specific to how I want them edited. And so I just haven't been, a I haven't been able to find the drive to edit that much anymore. But I I'm wondering if my lack of drive to edit is also related to the fact that I stopped taking uh, some ADD medication that I started taking that I thought, because I wasn't sure if I had ADD. So I started taking some, and I felt like I was being more productive, and I wasn't sure if that's actually Makes was sense. the case. I wasn't sure if it actually did anything, so I stopped taking it. I've only recently started taking it again, and I've already felt like I'm a little more proactive. Great, <laughs> so, yeah. So maybe it actually works. And then... Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. It could be placebo. could be placebo as well. But then there's also something else called rejection-sensitive dysphoria that I've been reading about that I was introduced to by Amanda Stevens, actually. And uh, I've been reading a lot about it, and it describes me, like, to a T. It's, like, 100% accurate. It's a very new thing that people are talking about, and they say it's very, very related to ADHD, and so uh, recently I've been also trying to do some research. And next time I talk to my therapist, I might even try to see if I can do something about ADHD as well. So because, uh, you know, I, I've noticed I've had a lot of problems with that on stream on this show. I know people have been talking to me about it in YouTube comments and stuff like that. So it's something that I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And so I, I'm pretty sure I have uh, ADHD. <laughs> So we'll see what happens. <laughs> see if I can fix that. So, cool. Yeah. No. I first first step is to figure it out. Of course. Yeah. So, but yeah, All I'm right. excited for the Tepin stuff. Uh, I'm gonna be glad to see we're gonna see less Rakohas. Uh, I still think purple sucks, but that's a whole nother story. So, <laughs> they say that ADHD is actually like one in four people now that they're starting to believe that have it or something. And uh, OCD is definitely something that I have too. I have massive OCD. I, mean, I, I always say I have OCD. Someone actually messaged me on Twitter one time and was like, can you please not make fun of OCD people, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, I actually have OCD. Like I'm legit OCD. I talk about all the crazy OCD things that I do that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people don't even notice, but like I do a lot of weird OCD things. Like, someone who saw me use my phone one time noticed that I like to swipe left and right on my phone like this. Yep. And they don't That's know true. why. They're like, why do you always go back and forth 
on your phone like this. And the reason why I do that is because you swipe up and down so much on your phone while reading things. It feels unfair to me that left and right don't get the same love. So I have to swipe left and right for no reason on my phone just to give it that thing. And not only do I do that, but when I swipe from left to right, then I have to swipe from right to left to have it be even. But then it's unfair because it's left to right and then right to left. So I'll swipe from right to left and then left to right to balance it out. But then that's unbalanced. So I have to do that one again and then go back to the first one again. And that's usually the extent of where my OCD kind of can let it go. So it's always left to right, right to left, right to left, left to right, right to left, left to right, left to right, right to left. And then I'm satisfied. And then I'm satisfied. Like that's the level of OCD that I have uh, when it comes to things. What's that? I've seen it many times. So you've yeah. noticed it then, huh? You noticed that I go left yeah. and right on my phone yeah, all the time. I, yeah, okay, okay. I, I mean, I didn't want to bother you about it. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I do it. It's OCD. It's absolute that's, OCD. That's what I assumed, James. Yeah. That's why I didn't want to bother you about it. So that's uh, the way it is. Like I tell people when I go up and down stairs, I'll jump over the last step a lot of the times because I have to make sure I step on the steps with an even number for both feet. So if there's mm -hmm. an odd number of steps and I'm going down, I step on the edge of the very top step and then I go down and if it's an odd number, I jump past it. If I've been down that stairs many, 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 many times, I'll know to skip the top step if it's already odd. When I go up the steps, it's a lot easier because if it turns out to be odd, skipping the top step is easy, you know, just mm -hmm. to get up there. I used to have, I mean, I've tried to stop myself from doing that, but I had most of the stairs like that I frequented a lot throughout my city like memorized so that I could actually do that it's it's crazy so you know it's why I have a lot of the weird nervous tics that I have about ending my sentences with the word so or you know such like that and these things this that or the other so yeah I have massive oh, OCD <laughs> yeah well, as far as the stuff you can handle, it sounds like you're starting to get a, a beat on that. I think that'd be great. Yeah, hopefully. I, I've never had any, took any medication for it and stuff, but it's tough right now because obviously COVID and my my medical plan is fucking garbage. So uh, I will have to figure that out. So I hear that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Avoiding cracks on the sidewalk. For me, it's not even that comfortable. Like if... Let's say you're on a sidewalk and the cracks come far enough that you get two steps in between them. So you'll step on one and then you'll step on the other, there's a crack. And then you step on one, step on the other, there's a crack. Step on one, step on the other, there's a crack. Like, I can't do that properly because if I step on one and step on the other and there's a crack and it's perfectly set for two feet. I'll try to step in the next one with only one foot so that I can get the next one with two feet that starts with right. the right foot instead of the left foot so that I can balance out the feet that way. And so I actually try to do two into one to two into one, which is why I'm sure you've probably noticed this too when we're both just walking. I walk at weird random paces sometimes because I'm, yeah. I'm adjusting to the cracks in the sidewalk like that. It's, it's yeah, really that, crazy. That so it's, uh, Well, I don't know if it's... Crazy is the right word here. Um, yeah. I uh, I used to do that as a kid as well, and I had some. There were certainly some things that I did that were approaching that, not to the degree I think that you're describing, but approaching. Mm -hmm. And the way that I made my peace with it and got around it is by convincing myself that instead, things that are imperfect are also perfect. 
in their own imperfect way. And so now, rather than like, for example, making sure that my phone's edges end up perfectly like with the edges of a table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was younger, now I will purposely put it at a little bit of an angle because that's like exactly wrong. And there's a, there's like a, there's a sense in which that is its own form of being perfect yeah that i mean that's what that's that's why you started doing your joysticks the way you did right by putting the screws and the cuts in them and doing all sorts of crazy things just to kind of that's interesting i might have to think about trying to do that i mean i had a point right now where my roommate as a favor like my roommate and his girlfriend came up and cleaned my kitchen and like i came upstairs and almost had a panic attack actually i think i did have a panic attack because i just didn't know where anything was anymore and like everything in the kitchen is in a specific place because it just makes sense in a weird way to be in yeah. this place. And it looks just sense. like this useless Tupperware tub, but it's actually like something that I use to fill up my cat's water fountain all the time. And it has to be in the place that I expect it to be. You know, it's it's crazy. Like it was it was weird. Like, but that's just kind of how I am. So. <sighs> All right. <laughs> Could I be a bit autistic? Oh, 100%. Uh, I think everybody's a little bit on the spectrum in their own way. I'm pretty sure I'm autistic. Like, I feel like I'm normal, but I'm pretty sure everybody who knows me thinks I'm a little autistic because I'm kind of weird in that way, so. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have an opinion about that. Yeah. Mm. Well, all right. Yeah, I like things that are specifically imperfect. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't strive to be imperfect, but I appreciate when things are imperfect in a way that feels exact. Yeah. By turning that into the OCD, the nice thing about that is, by nature, it has infinite varieties and probabilities. So that it it kind of... In its own way, everything is perfect, right? Yeah, exactly. So... And also, this is why I use gross Kappa Honda. Not, not. Really. <laughs> I just like it. I think it's hilarious. All right. Anything else to discuss? No, that's it for me. So, my favorite aesthetic dream eater can be perfectly described by Tron. That's that's my aesthetic is Tron. All right. Tron. All I, I mean, isn't Tron kind of perfect though? Yeah, I'm not. I, I, it's not my position that everything needs to be imperfect. Oh, okay, just okay. that things that are imperfect can also be considered perfect in their gotcha, own way. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Tron's the best. <laughs> all right. Give me a bird. All right, all right, all right, all right. Enough about OCD here. Enough about OCD. Nice. Oh. Yeah, I got to get on my way home. I guess Ajax didn't want to drive out here today. Yeah, I guess not. He wasn't interested today. That's okay. Maybe we'll see him next week. Oh, man. Yeah, have a safe drive home, David. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it.